0: feeling maybe it's not even a full movement maybe it's like you just get one little nudge a, nudge. Or a couple nudges yeah. per game table bump table bump there you go <laughs> table oh my bump. god <laughs> you're <laughs> tilting it's basically a tilt right
1: hi everybody this is soren johnson and you're listening to designer notes a podcast about why we make games. Today, Leila and I are talking to veteran game designer, Charlie Cleveland, founder of Unknown Worlds and best known for his work on natural selection and Subnautica. This episode was recorded on March 19th, 2023 and was engineered by Michael Hermes. Yeah, I'm just gonna go introduce it. So um, for everyone who's listening, which I'm listening to now is actually a year after the previous discussion. Yeah, because came out to San Francisco, talked to Charlie uh, about his whole career, and uh, Charlie said, "I'm very excited about this next game I'm working on, but I can't talk to you about it." Mm-hmm. So instead, we stopped recording, and he showed me the game instead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: But we couldn't talk to him about it, and he said, "How about we uh, come back a year later and talk about it?" And that's that's how where much we are difference now.
0: a year makes. <laughs>
1: Well, I figured you would probably have a lot more, yeah. you could have told me what you thought you were doing back then, and now you can tell yeah. me what you think of it now also. Which is I can't
0: remember if we talked case. about it. Did we talk about it? Well, we'll it just ca- casually, yeah. I mean, you. Should I know be... we did, pers- like, yeah, but do we do it on No, I don't think we talked about anything. Oh, really, interesting. Anything oh, wow. I'm it was I'm just Sonotica last time. Best
1: as I can remember, the yeah. audience would be like, you just talked about it two minutes ago. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Well,
0: yeah, I'm glad because, yeah, good, because there's a lot to talk about now.
1: So, so, we're talking about Moonbreaker, yep. um, his new game, and uh, probably we should just start off with, you know, it's a miniatures game, right? Yeah. Maybe you want to Not talk about... Not a miniatures game.
0: It's the world's first digital miniatures okay. game. Okay. There you yeah. go. Um, seemingly. So... Seemingly. You could argue that one, but I think it, I think it's probably the first.
1: Okay. Good. Yeah. Cool. And I, I assume, do you,
0: have a, do you have a history with miniatures? Like, do you want to talk about that some? Or? I mean, I... Like a lot of nerds in high school, I painted miniatures, I... You know, I kind of toyed with the idea of playing uh, Warhammer. Didn't really actually play. Um, a bit more painted than played. A little more painting, yeah. A little more painting than playing. Did a little bit of playing, but... And we might have, like, added them in with our, like, d d games here and there. Right. But, um, yeah, I always... The appeal of miniatures, I always understood. I always loved that. It just was like, oh, just one day we're going to get around to actually, like, painting some terrain, setting up a table. Right. Reading this entire book and playing. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yep. I, I, I see mentors, People do it uh, yeah. down at the game store. So that's yeah. something I have a lot of experience with. So it's always yeah. been one of these like things I'm curious about, but I don't really know. if the the lack of a grid is always something that kind of freaks me out. <laughs> I'm sure you're like Where what? Just the... like, what is going what? on here? It's... Like they're just they just have <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. They just have like rulers out yep. and like yeah. what is happening? How does that? How does that? I mean, I suppose there probably a lot of people who do. So how does that actually work? Like they.
0: Yeah, I mean that's probably the biggest change from a, what you would think of as a, in a normal normal digital strategy game. Right. Having no grid is actually probably the hardest part of the game. At least it was in the beginning. Just um, both technically and also just um, there's a lot of usability issues that show up, like where people get mad when they think that they're touching a unit and they're not, and right? They're like they can't like make a melee attack or something. But so it took some time to like work through those kinds of mostly UI UX issues, um, and then the technical side. But then after that, like it's actually just a super rich, incredible basis to build a game around. It is so. It's really actually incredible to see people making like micro moves, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like you see like, you know, like uh, like medium skill chess players or higher might be like in, in advance like moving like a rook on their back line before, you know, without opening up the pawns first right? because they're kind of thinking ahead. thinking ahead. right? You see that in tabletop uh, strategy game, tabletop uh, miniatures games where you're like doing these little micro moves because you're you're thinking in advance of like, okay, this is a small move here, but it's because I want to sprint to this cover right. later.
1: It must or, be very intuitive, right? Because, yeah. you know, like in chess, right, you know, like if I move here, It'll mean I'll have this this row or this column protected or whatever, but with yep. miniatures, it must be like, well, if I make this if I move like an inch over this way, probably it That's means it. that I'll be in range of this, but you never could be quite
0: sure, right? That's exactly it. There's much more wisdom and intuition in playing a miniatures game. Cause you're like, I feel like they probably won't be able to hit me from here. Right. So of course we do. You know, one of the, one of the cool things you can do with a digital version of a tabletop of a miniatures game like this is you can hover over an enemy unit, and it just shows you where they can go. Right. There's no measuring, so like in a tabletop game, you'd have to like go put the put the tape measure over them. You know, look up their movement stat, put it over there, try to check all these angles here. You just hover over, and you just yeah. see it immediately.
1: Yeah, it's um, kind of weird. To use. I often think in terms of, of different styles of games, of things that would work more naturally on tabletop, yeah. and work more naturally in digital. And because of all that that fiddliness of the exact distances. It's odd it seems like miniatures would be something that actually would work better on digital. It seems like it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's in some yeah. ways it does. Yeah. Right. Um, cool. Okay. Well, let's, why don't we start at the beginning then of like, when you first, like when did you first conceive of like Moonbreaker and like, when was, how did, the, how did this, this, the story start? Basically? Yeah.
0: So my, my partner Max and I, uh, we had, I think we were just, I think we were almost done with Subnautica. We were maybe like, a year out from finishing one so it was around, uh, I guess, around 2015 or 16. Right, 16. And we had, we knew that we had to get going on like a new prototype, you know, because you know just how production works. You kind of need to have a small skeleton group to like put together the next game, so your team can transition nicely off of it, as I'm sure you guys know all about. Right. Um, so we had, we had done a few different prototypes. Um, we did one that was like a, almost like a daisy, like an open world daisy kind of game, but nice. So we were were talking earlier about like positive making, designing stuff with positive emotion. So like, how could we make a daisy or I guess more like a rust kind of experience, but nice. Rust is not nice. No. So we tried that. It looked really cool, but we never could quite figure out what that game was. We did. We tried making a Subnautica in space, which was really fun. It was uh, called. We had a couple different names for it, but Space Suckers was one, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds ridiculous, but it was about like pulling oil out of derelicts. Right. Which that was a mechanic where you had to like, there were like these randomly generated derelict derelict ships, and you had to like figure out how to get in, which is very mechanical multiplayer. Cause like you hold this open, I'm going to weld this, right. and then you you run this hose in, and then the hose is like going through all the different compartments and things, and oh, I'm going to wow. get to the oil and pull it all out before the, before we run I, out. Have oxygen. you
1: have you played Hearth Space Shipbreaker?
0: I have played a little bit of it, and they basically just crushed it. Right. So yeah, <laughs> we we had not crushed it, but yeah. we, okay. we had this like decent. <laughs> yeah, it just was like this is still this isn't this it's isn't jelling. It's yeah. not quite there. We worked on that for quite a while actually for a couple months. And then we also worked on, we did that, we were talking a little earlier, a little little bit earlier about a spy game. Yeah. We tried making a spy game, almost like an introversion style spy, spy game, okay. You know, kind of like, uh, almost like prison architecty, that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Oh, so kind of high level,
1: you're uh, H- much higher
0: game. level. Yeah. yeah. What, and, what
2: were the difficulties there? Oh my
0: God. That one, I mean, that one, so we, yeah. There, we, I think we had the covert, Sid Meier's covert action rule was in full effect on that one where it was like the two great games equal a good game. Right. Where you put in too much and two different games and that takes the focus away from the core. Yeah. And then players can't experience the core and they get confused because they're bouncing back and forth essentially between two different experiences. I think we had that because we wanted you to be able to plan your own heists and plan your own intrigue. But also, we okay. wanted you to be driving cars, do the and heist. And, do the stuff. And, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, this espionage is kind of odd because it's a setting. You know, usually a setting has so many different hooks. So okay, you yeah. got to do this. You got to do this. You gotta do this. It's like espionage has too many, right? Yeah, probably. Like there's
0: too many, and bases they're too to varied. Cover. They're so varied. Yeah. No. There's fighting. Yeah. There's listening. There's planning. There's poisoning. Code there's breaking. Like code breaking. There's secret <laughs> identities. Yeah, yeah like.
2: Like Grand Theft Auto, like geopolitics, stuff. Yeah. the Americans, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're in tons of different countries, so yep. Yep. there's that whole thing, yep, like different double languages, yeah. yeah, double, double agents. agents, like oh my <laughs> god, we tried yeah. to abstract it, but now that now that we're talking about it, and now that I know about that the covert action rule, maybe the the next time if we tried it, it would just stay high level or just stay low pick level, one, one just pick system. one, yeah, yeah. That would be one way to do it. But anyway, so we had tried a bunch of different prototypes. None of them were really like we, I actually loved all those in their own way, but none of them were like undeniable and like just like a, had a presented a clear path forward. And uh, and I remember just one day, I don't remember if it was Max or myself, one of us just said, Oh, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we d- did like a digital miniatures game? Right. And I'm like, I can't, well, I, I don't remember who said what. It doesn't really matter, obviously, but like, one of us was like, oh, that'd be really cool that, you know, um, we could, uh, you know, we could make it so much easier. You wouldn't have to use a ruler. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the dice, you wouldn't you wouldn't need to roll the dice because a computer can handle all that. Oh, all the rules. Yeah, the rules could be abstracted really well because most miniatures games have all these tons of rules. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then painting. all oh, the painting could be digital. Like, you could do all, all the painting could be so much, so much cleaner with undo. And, like, and we were just, it was almost like we were joking because we kind of, kind of thought, like, it's such, it, sounded, it sounded so niche Right. and no one had done it and obviously you know the best way to like make a you know best way to make a million dollars maybe not even make a hundred thousand dollars in a you know on a game is to spend five hundred thousand dollars making a board game I don't know sure right. something like that <laughs> like there's yeah. no money in board games yeah, basically yeah, yeah. unless you're like the top 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 yeah and but somehow this like it started to just we were just like riffing on it and we just suddenly started working on it we just got really excited about it yeah and we spent a week prototyping it? Uh, no, Not even. That's, yeah. that's a
1: quick question. Yeah. Well, because I'm just in my mind thinking already, like, once, yeah, there's Warhammer, right? Which yep. is like the big gorilla yep. for miniatures. And, you know, Warhammer has kind of gotten a lot of flack over the years for probably over-licensing the product. Yeah. Like, there's like a hundred. If, if you if you Google Warhammer on Steam, you're probably going to get 100 different things.
0: And when I ask people, "Oh, are games like Warhammer?" they 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 glaze over because they think all the digital games. Right. They don't think the ori- the original.
1: Yeah, but has Warhammer never actually just made a miniatures video game? That's and it kind of so makes bizarre.
0: Yeah, it is bizarre. <laughs> it's
1: like if, <laughs> if Magic made like everything else except like a trading like a card True. game, you know, with their IP. But you look
0: know? at Wizards; they didn't make Arena until, until. they saw yeah, Hearthstone. Sure, yeah, and it yeah. makes sense because yeah. it's a, this is a new genre. Yeah, you can't have like. I mean, you need an expert to make a new genre, basically. Or at least someone that has made some games before. Digital.
1: Yeah. Do you remember Magic's first game? Their first game? Oh, I do. Yeah.
0: Uh, Uh, Back in, like, God, 94 or something? It was a long time ago.
1: I mean, this is the one that Sid worked on. Oh. Yeah. Sid made a Magic game that was a bit like... um, Maybe the one you are thinking of might be earlier. I don't know exactly which one would be first. But this was so early, I assumed it was the first one. Yeah, no. Sid made this kind of like... RPG single player magic game. For, was that for
0: Xbox 360 maybe? No, no, no. this was no. in, like ninety four or, okay, yeah. or something. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't know but, if I saw that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was it's a weird little like detour in his you know, right. his career. Um but anyway, anyway, which what was the one that you remember?
0: Oh, so well actually I might have just made that up because <laughs> <laughs> I remember being obsessed with magic. Yeah. And I was I was living in uh, uh or was, I, was, I was in Raleigh I was in college I was on a work uh, did a co-op, did one year co-op, so I got yeah. two semesters off to work for IBM, which is a great idea but wrong place for me. and my friend and I were playing so much magic we were I remember we talked about oh, this should be a digital game. how yeah. cool would this be Sure. And I remember talking about how we could would anyone ever buy a digital card like, right. <laughs>
1: could you imagine a could world? you
0: imagine a world yeah and we're like oh, I'm not so sure it sounds really compelling we gotta tr- it'd be so cool to try yeah but that was like before free-to-play was even. Yeah.
1: The the infrastructure wouldn't have been there for that, I think. Like the trust you would need True. and like probably also all the other technology that, that True. kind of filled into it. But
0: I just couldn't believe that we couldn't imagine a world yeah. where people might pay for digital goods. <laughs> that was a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. It wow. Anyways, 94 yeah. or 92 uh, or I don't What was that? 93, 94 yeah. probably. Yeah. But anyway, so so at
1: yeah. any anyway, rate, for so so for some major magi- I mean <laughs> for some reason Warhammer yeah. has never tried to make a digital version of their
0: miniatures. I mean miniatures. the thing is they're making so much money with their physical. Yeah. And it's such a totally different model. Like, you know, they make money off selling their miniatures, as far as I can tell. That seems like to be their moneymaker. Yeah. So they they're, they're their They're markup doing, is pretty significant yeah. on I mean, those minis.
1: They they've been doing well for a long time. Yeah. So, but anyway, so there yeah. is there is no one has really done this before. No. Nope. And you guys were talking this out. Yep. And you're kind of getting excited.
0: Getting excited. And when I get excited, I can usually convince Max to be excited. Right. So he's he's much more even keeled than I am. Like he he's the Mr. Programmer, Mr. Figure out how to actually make everything. Um. And I remember we took. A week off and uh basically just like in our spare time just said hey, okay we're gonna try to try this prototype and actually it wasn't even a week i think it was like a weekend and i can actually show you the prototype i still have it okay yeah it. it's pretty wild so anyways we spent two days about two days prototyping it um and i remember like it was really ugly and totally for me totally compelling mm-hmm. like i just loved it immediately we didn't have painting but we just used like 2d art to like make to fake uh, 3d miniatures, so we just had like little bases and we just put a little billboard on right. them and you could move them around You could zoom the camera you see the whole battlefield and you could we had the dragging you know click your unit and drag to show you where you can move and it did the measuring and Then click uh, Your unit and then drag on top of a unit kind of like XCOM style to, right. to attack And then we had a bunch of different abilities So we had like, you know 15 different units that had really poorly implemented fun abilities like a single ability per Right. And just health and attack for each one, and ranged and melee, and that was kind of it. Right. And I, I mean, I don't, the game wasn't fun, but like to me, it was just compelling enough that uh, we just started working on it, and um, and we actually we took a lesson this time instead of building a prototype that we're going to throw that we should have thrown away for Subnautica, we we built a prototype and then we should have thrown it away, but we actually just iterated iterated on it on top of terrible decisions and horrible code and then just built the entire game off that because we didn't have any time or money this time we like pretty much immediately architected the game to be proper and that's that's what max one of the things max is extremely good at so we just had the framework immediately like within a week or two we had something that was like the framework to build the game and the framework i'm talking about is like how the abilities work there's a lot of timing that has to do with how the abilities work and passives and how things get triggered and just like the architecture for units and abilities, um, and uh, that's interesting because kind of usually there's a bit of a
1: chicken and egg thing there. Yeah, because you're talking about all of the, all of the, um, you know, basically game game mechanic code infrastructure yeah. to support the variety of abilities you might want to create for the units, right? But you haven't mm-hmm. necessarily come up with all those abilities yet, right? Right. Um, is this because uh, I guess this is one thing I wanted to ask about after having played Bloombreaker. some mm-hmm. is that um, uh, the, the abilities feel to me like, oh, this feels like stuff from Into the Breach or XCOM mm. or something where okay. there's like there's like some stunning and you might pull a unit and you might, yep. there's like a shotgun and there's a thing that you throw that'll explode. Yep. Uh, is that unique to your game? Like, can they do stuff like that in miniature in like a, the tabletop stuff or is that s- stuff that That's you're able question. to pretty much do because it's digital?
0: I don't think I've seen pulling units in tabletop. Right. Which is interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's there. I'm sure some games do it, but I haven't seen it. Um, the grenades and stuff, I feel like they do. Although they, they usually add more randomness. Like Warhammer has a lot of like bouncing. Yeah. Where you like, you target an area and then you roll it to eye to see where it bounces and how much. Um, which sounds really bad now that I think about it. <laughs> um, like it would not fly in our game, I don't think.
1: Yeah, people. Sure.
0: Yeah, the ran- randomness is a whole other topic that we could... Yeah talk for about half an hour on at least. Um, But we do have a lot crazier abilities that maybe we either haven't released yet, or maybe you haven't seen yet. Like we have units that like more like Dota style where they could like stun units in in an area. We have, yeah. We have units that like have overwatch type abilities. Mm-hmm. Those aren't released yet, but they're coming. So when, if you, you can like hold an area and anytime a unit moves in that range, they get the other unit gets a free shot on them, which then means you can then pull units into that area and knock them around and just getting shot like crazy. Um, we have, we have a lot of abilities that trigger when other rules, when other conditions are met Right, and they inevitably are surprising because you forgot that that would have triggered. Right. And then it might trigger like five times. Right. And so I think that's kind of where the game really comes to life because in a tabletop miniatures game, you would have to remember to do that.
1: Yes, that's a big issue with with physical games. Yeah, right. Like all these, there's there's certain certain games I played where like this is a really interesting power, but you forget it. You forget it. You forget one it every three times. Yep. or something. And then it's like, is this is this actually making the game better? Yeah, or is it just making you like get more stressed about remembering all the different things you have to do? All
0: that bookkeeping would suck in a tabletop experience, but it's kind of the where the, where it shines in digital. Because right. Because every time, like we have one, you know, our captain Exilier gets a shield. Uh, it puts a random shield on a unit every time any unit dies. Right. And the amount of times that surprises you where like I just did something and two units died. It might have even been one of my own units. And then, my you know, two random units get shields and I'm like, oh, that actually unlocks a new right. choice right now. Because yeah. now, now I can attack here and take the unit out without dying. And you have that one unit that, that gives a shield to the
1: closest unit to it. Yeah. Which would be a pain. To remember, that's right. Like or to figure out. For sure. But yep. here, And not only that, yep. it does the calculation, you see a little glow on that unit immediately. And you're like, yep. oh yeah. Okay. It's got this thing, right? Totally. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the exciting parts of going to digital, right? Is unlocking all this stuff. All that.
0: It's basically, if this condition is met, then do this. And then when those start chaining together, I mean, you can have a problem where too many things happen too quickly and you right. don't know what, you don't understand what just happened. We're still kind of trying to understand how to communicate that. Right. Um, and there's, so timing basically is still an issue for us. We're still kind of like getting all right. that working. Okay. Like, yeah. But So like the first but, thing
1: you did was you tried to put infrastructure in place so that you'd be able to design.
0: We basically the, just committed, we just committed to it right yeah. away. Like yeah. we just said like, we're not going to screw this up like Subnautica. So right. So like, and actually that wasn't Max's issue. That was my issue because it's a long story, but basically we just didn't have the, the scope. So it was just like, we, we had never fully committed to the project until it was kind of moving We probably had like three or four people on it that were, we probably made like six or eight prototypes at that time. Yeah. And then we were slowly pulling people off natural selection Two, that maintenance. And we just, there was no time. We couldn't just say, okay, everyone just wait two months. We're going to throw this thing away and and program it. Right. Cause we know what game we're building. We did. That was the other thing. We never knew what we were building until after early access for Subnautica. We didn't know there was going to be a story. Yeah, sure. You know, we didn't know there was like the whole voxel def, uh, terrain deformation that stuff was in there early but we ended up by yanking it out because it was like fighting against the story and fighting against even the theme we didn't want people to be destroying the planet while they're playing right so we figured all that out much later and we would have made very different decisions had we known exactly what we're building right so with moonbreaker i feel like we know a lot more about what we're building we knew a lot more up front we kind of put some stakes in the ground we did add some stuff on top of it but um but for the most part, I think it's been pretty pretty solid. Okay.
2: And you moved it to 3D art.
0: We did. Right. And we always knew it would be. Yeah. But it that would was make, a big one. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. It would make sense to see how
0: you... For miniatures. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although our 3D art is kind of like a pain point for us because, you know, basically you need to be able to recognize the models from top down. Like very quickly. they to have very strong silhouettes. They yeah. can't be overly complicated. But... Um you need to be able to zoom into them very closely to paint them. So you need them to be detailed enough that they look really interesting to paint. And we need a ton of them because it's a miniatures game. So we end up by having models, we end up by having a lot of units that are pretty high detail. Have so, you, yeah, that's kind of like a bad part of the game.
1: Have you been tempted to have some sort of a like a simplified like icon level view? Because there's times... We never
0: have, actually, somehow. Okay.
1: Because sometimes when the units get so close together... Yeah. It just gets difficult. It gets really hard to because find. Because they're yeah. all on top of each other. Can
2: you have, like, team colors, too? Oh, or, like, yeah. the bases?
0: We do have that for the bases. Yeah. And it helps. But we have... We are actually addressing readability in a really big way right now. Mm. Where we realize that um, our environments are, like, too high contrast. Yeah. It's actually not much work to change. We're basically taking a pass on all the maps and we're also simplifying a lot of our models right. to get more of that uh, traditional kind of chubbiness or chunkiness you might see in a miniature model. Right. They'll stubbier your arms. It's
1: funny, it reminds me of a, like a the one most specific comment I remember Sid made yeah. for Civilization Four was he tried it a little bit and he was like, your terrain is too bright. Same concept. He was like, "Yeah, your all the the color, your trees and the grass, and it's all too saturated. The train is the background. Yep, you know, like no one cares about the train." (laughs) <laughs> they do but not, the tra- as their, yeah, yeah, yeah. not as much I mean, as not as as much their units yeah, yeah exactly they care what's on the train so yeah. like and we're like oh and it was fine because I didn't expect that like the thing yeah. he was going to give us was like art direction but uh <laughs> but you know it's about like what the player cares about like what their yep. their eyes are going to be be guided to it's um, very
0: frustrating to not see be able to see how yeah. the game fighting you for what you're supposed oh, to oh yeah.
1: yeah yeah I mean the game fighting you on what you want to try to do is a big issue
0: yeah
2: Charlie a little bit ago you said that um so you couldn't tell whether the they are touching each other. Yep. So how did you fix that problem?
0: So it's actually just a UI issue. So like when you when we do a movement preview, as you're dragging you're, you're, you know, like I'm gonna click my unit and then decide where I wanna move them. As you move them, if you end up by touching a as you get close to a unit, it basically draws like a connection between them. Just a you know, yellow, yeah. very bright, you, you can't miss it. So you're like, if I move here, they will be touching. Okay. That's all. And then, yeah.
2: Anything with sound as well? That's, that's a
0: good cool. idea. We don't do any sound there, but that's actually a really nice little click or something. Yeah. That's yeah. a really nice... Absolutely. We should totally do that. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> idea. It's such a small thing yeah, but it's, but that, that we should do that. Yeah, a yeah idea. it's a great idea. Yeah,
1: the visual thing you do right now is very effective. You know, just, it changes yeah. color to a very different color, and you can tell, okay, now these guys are connected. And, yeah. Uh, and you move from there. So. And, and
0: you still have... It's not like we solved all the problems there, because sometimes people think... If I move here, then next turn, I'll be able to move to touch. Right. That one we don't solve. you That's a wisdom thing. But I think players feel like that's under their control. Yeah. They'll get frustrated. They'll be like, damn it. I really thought I could have like closed the distance you yeah. your captain this turn.
1: One of the hardest things for me is the concept of can I fit through this area? Yeah. That's a tough one. We're, I wonder if you guys should be a little more just lenient. <laughs> Even if technically they shouldn't.
0: I think that's on point. We have a problem. We do. We are not being very lenient right now, and it's actually causing some problems. There's times where a unit will have you pinned up against a piece of terrain. Yeah. And just as a human, like an optimistic human, you're like, that thing shouldn't be blocking me in. But it'll, it'll block you on both sides. You can't leave to the left or to the right. And I'm sure on a mathematical level it makes sense, but no one cares. Yeah. So we, we're actually we're going to be loosening that up a little bit. Also the other thing we we just put in it'll ship with our next update is um, bases on the terrain. Right. We never did that. We kind of like went back and forth like should we should the terrain just look like world terrain, like video game terrain or should it look like it's on a base. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of like argued that back and forth for way too long and we finally just put in bases on the terrain. So now it's ex- super explicit. You can you can just see a base so you yep. know you know that that's exactly the pathing where the pathing is. Right. right. You see the edge.
1: Is is the so currently you can't you cannot move through units, right? I mean, that's, Correct. That's is yep. that is that something you inherited from miniature rule? Like is that a, is that a standard or did you choose? It I don't for think yourself?
0: it's. I don't think it's standard. Uh, we tried it both ways. Uh, let's, let's see if I can remember why. I mean, I think we just decided that unit positioning is the game that is literally at the core, most core part of this game. Right. And. Blocking is so huge Um, So I think it just felt more like that gives it more skill now. It can be annoying But the thing is you can almost always mitigate that for yourself You know like you can just move your units in a different order So like if I have one unit that's blocking that's in between my my I have a back unit and a front unit and the front unit is blocking the back units access to attacking my enemy Mm -hmm. I can move the front unit first before I move the back unit instead of the other way around But what that allows you to do is of course is protect your back unit. Because if if your units, if your if units can move through units, then you can't stop your opponent from doing stuff. So this way it's like, it becomes like super skill-based. Yeah. You know, like the order half the time, even after I've I've been playing this game for like five years, I think probably most turns, maybe even every turn, when I'm I click end turn, I'm like, damn it. I should have done this thing in a different order. Or right. I should have, and you always see something you could have done better, which you I think is a good an thing. Undo button. <sighs> We're going for all the big <laughs> topics right away. you are going for all of them. Uh. <laughs> That's a good okay. question. It's a good question. I definitely
1: thought about that some when, when playing through it. Did you? I did, yeah, for sure. Isn't that
0: interesting? So undo used to be a big thing that we talked about at the studio a lot. And we have people on the team who are like really against undo. And we have people on the team who are really for undo. Yeah. And we just kind of... We actually never did anything with it. We just... Our basic framing was we want to fix all the... We want to fix all the previews to make sure that you never make a bad move. Sure. It should tell you what the results of your move are going to be as much as possible to make sure that you never have to undo. So that was our guiding principle for a long time. We can only get so far with that. Like, Like I was just mentioning, you can get... We only preview one move. We don't preview five moves in a, you know, we don't predict forward. Right. So, like, if I want to move my captain here, I'm not going to know where they're going to be able to move next turn. Right. But your opponent's going to move all their units anyway, so we couldn't show you that preview anyways. So we basically punted on that issue and just wanted to, like, really focus on making sure that the game wasn't allowing you to make mistakes. uh, Because we knew that that would, the experience is going to be better to not undo anyways. Right. You don't want a game where you feel like you need to undo a lot. Because it basically is going to feel bad to undo, right? You're basically wasting time. You basically felt like you made a mistake. The game was lying to you or you didn't realize something. Something wasn't clear. So we should have, the, you know, the dream would be to have no undo needed, um, which is also from our architecture. Uh, it's actually kind of a technical thing as well because of how things trigger. We were talking about all the things that can trigger. You basically have to be able to undo anything that can trigger. So we wanted to avoid that and then we launched it in early access and i have to say i haven't i can't remember the last time somebody said they wanted undo hmm i'm really expecting it but not hearing you say that yeah, makes I mean, me I wonder think we, if I've, know,
1: like we we put undo into old world pretty early yeah. and you know we kind of actually expected that we were going to have to not necessarily take it out but limit it and we, we found that it it was uh, i mean players loved it in general i mean yeah. it was, <laughs> There was literally yeah. like a PC gamer article on like why we love the undo button in the old world, right? Amazing. Like,
0: I think it you know. was
2: every game should have an undo Yeah, that's button.
1: the way they phrased it. And like we were the example.
0: But multiplayer is a little different too. Oh, well, yeah. We yeah. don't,
1: I mean, we, we actually do have undo for when you play play by cloud, which means it's, it's funny though, people will ask. They're like, when I play right. multiplayer, why can't I undo? And I'm like, do you know what you're asking? Like, <laughs> like
0: we're yeah. talking
1: about like multiverse like level like complications at this point. Like you can't undo something when someone else is doing it at the same time. But right. But yeah, like it it becomes a part of how they learn the game. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, even if it's something beyond what we envisioned, right? It could be, okay. You're going to add a governor to a city, right? And yeah. to list the governors, and you're going to yep. mouse over them, and you're going to yep. see, like, okay, this one is, has courage, so it gets this much training. This one's yellow. And it's, it's fine to read it, but it's even, I don't know, better. It's just a different way of doing it. Like, I'm just going to add, I'm just going yep. to click the character, yep. see what happens. Hmm, do I like that? Nope. Let me go back. I'll try this guy instead. And it's yeah. just, just like you're kind of like playing with your hands instead yeah. of like in your brain. Yep. And it's just been very, it's, I don't know, it was more effective than I expected In my wow. case,
2: it was also like, I clicked on a unit, probably the worker, and moved the worker to this town. Like, oh, I didn't want the worker to go there. And I didn't want to get penalized for that kind of mistake, right? And I was like, oh, I wanted to move my archer to that unit, so undo helps.
1: Yeah, it reduces a certain amount of background stress that's hard to describe.
0: Ah. That, like, when
1: they're playing the game, they know they're like, okay, whatever I do, it's okay because I can just undo it. So I'm I'm free to kind of just, just kind of play the game. And it's weird. I would have, if I had, if I had overthought of it, if if we hadn't put it in so early. Yeah. And it had been a question someone would have asked me, like maybe after we had come out in really access, but before we released it, for example, if they said, "Should you put it on during the game?" I would definitely be like, you know, I don't know, because then players could overanalyze their turns, and they'll take too long, and whatever. Um, so it's tough. It's definitely something I think it's it's a good idea to try out as early as you can. Yeah. For your game... I mean, so first of all, our combat basically is deterministic. Right. So Ours is not. Yours is not.
0: It's right? like XCOM, basically. And
1: I don't see you going back on that because that's like... That one, kind
0: of thing. that one we're not going to go back yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and it's it's fine, right? Like, yeah. that, there's lots of good reasons to do that. Um, so you can't really have undo... Of, we don't of do actions. undo attack
0: Exactly. It would be just undo move but, would be all we're talking but about.
1: But undoing movement... I mean, I think it's funny because... Or maybe abilities. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's funny because like I... Um, <laughs> my interviews with Justin and Matthew for yep. Into the Breach, I remember basically you're, was pushing yeah. them both to like have more aggressive undoes. Yes. You know, whereas I think where you're at, you yeah. would be really well suited to do what they do currently yep. Yep. with Into the Breach, which is they can't they don't undo actions, they undo they can undo moves. Right, you right. can move your guys around, but you can undo that. Do
0: they is that what they do? I can I mean I played it, but I'm trying to remember.
1: Um, I'm trying to get the details exactly. So they have they have kind of two things. Yes, you can undo moves and you can undo your whole turn as well. And you can also undo the entire yeah. turn. You get one time. That's another thing you might want to consider. Yeah. Is like a limited resource. Yep. Or maybe that's even a power you would choose. That, that might be the way to do that it. That just do for a, a full on slap down like no, I just want to rewind all the way back. It's like a save essentially. Rewind all the way back to the beginning of the turn, so that could reduce the, remove some of the background stress yep. of like okay, exactly. I know there is something in my back pocket if I really screw up. Yeah, because there have been a couple times when I uh, and we talked about this uh, before an email where I was just like I, I I I have some just misclicking problems. Yes. Of like, yes, and that's that's kind of like very UI detailed stuff, but like yeah. it's it you're never gonna work that stuff mm. out hundred percent, and definitely right. Right. like. If 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 you can rewind that, that's that's kind of interesting. Useful. So well,
0: could you rewind it, say for our listeners, like if they have not played Moonbreaker, which I'm I'm assuming more people played XCOM than Moonbreaker, so. <laughs> Could you rewind a turn in multiplayer XCOM? Would that be okay? In would people feel okay? Would they oh. feel? Would people feel okay about that? Okay. RNG attacks? So, t- <laughs> talking it out
1: loud, I was primarily thinking because I played I played Breaker in single player, right? So I'm thinking about that mode. Yeah. Right. The cargo run. Right? The, yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: multiplayer, I'm not sure. Uh, are these matches expected to be uh, synchronous,
0: or uh, do you have
1: asynchronous modes as well?
0: Ah, uh, you mean synchronous, like both players online uh, at that at moment? Same time, yeah, yeah, it's they're only synchronous. They're right only now. synchronous. Yeah. right. We might do asynchronous at some point. But.
1: Yeah. So there's a there's a whole other issue because then you're talking about other players' time, yeah. right? Not just like I see. I assume you have some sure. sort of time the timer, to the timer yeah, type yeah, yeah. thing, right? So,
0: but if it all fits in the timer, it's
1: yeah, not, when if you it all fits the, in the timer, it doesn't reset it the timer. Be, it should be fine. Yeah, as long as it doesn't yeah, reset it's the, the, the
2: timer. The player who's having the most fun, give them the tools. Let them. Let them do whatever
0: with it. Yeah. But so then, what happens if you say make an attack, you miss, and that was like your attack that you really wanted to hit? It was like eighty percent chance. Do you undo it, and then if you redo it, what happens? Is it the same miss? If you make oh, the same well, it attack? it needs to
1: be. It needs to be the same miss,
0: right. for sure.
1: Like we have that, right? Like if you undo in yeah. Old World, you can if you undo and do the attack again, it's you're going to get the same <laughs> result. I mean, we. We do have critical hits, right? So we have a little bit of randomness. So normally, yep. normally it's not an issue. But there are ways to do that. But I would be afraid. I don't know if you have stuff that's based off of distance. You know, yeah. like that would that would it change? Is based the, off yeah. Distance. So it could be that that could that would be stuck. So you got to figure this out for you. Yeah. Come on, fix, <laughs> fix it for me, please. But for sure, those are those are tools you can consider. And I yeah. definitely think being able to um, rewind movement, which presumably yeah. doesn't. Change the game. I, I I suppose there's stuff that I, there's you mentioned Overwatch.
0: So right? we don't have so, the Overwatch units haven't launched yet. They're yeah. coming soon, but yeah. like that that's we knew that that's been coming. We've had them working forever, right? Yeah. So internally we're like, okay, these even undoing movement is not going to be easy going forward. Yeah, and the well, whole yeah.
1: These are weird issues because we we I, I don't know if I I had, if I had completely decided to shut off like deterministic combat, uh, right. uh, shut off random. I didn't know if I was going to completely shut the door to random combat, but once we got to like undo, it kind of meant that yeah, there's certain things i just we're not going to do now in the game. Yeah, like we're closing certain doors because we like this other one, and like would undo be worth not
0: having Overwatch units? I mean that's a super hard you know what I design figured, problem. I just figured out a crazy possibly possible answer. Okay. Instead of undo, what if you frame it as X extra free movements per game? Okay. Like um, So you have two two times per game, you get one free movement. Okay. So basically, if you made a bad move, right. you can then recover from it. Like, oh, I thought this guy was going to touch and he's not. Right. Grr. okay, I'm gonna spend my free movement. You're just adding it's an extra move. It's oh, I'm doing anything move, right. because, a it, bonus that's, move.
1: because that's the problem people are more likely to encounter in Moonbreaker. That's what you're kind of I think thinking.
0: it's mostly movement Yeah, the attacking no one care. I mean no you, you get you get upset the way you would at any any tactics game and although Well, I do you want to finish that because then there that's the other thing I was gonna say the tactics thing with dice People right. don't seem to get as upset when they're physically rolling oh, yeah, dice. Yeah.
1: I, I assume we were going to get, let's keep, yeah. like, okay, continue, so, continue your yeah. other thoughts.
0: So yeah, maybe if you get, say you get one bonus movement per game, right. one free movement on any unit, then if you, it kind of lowers the stress a little bit. Right. Right. Because then you if you misclick, like sometimes you end up by moving and like just in the last moment, your hand like vibrates a little yeah. bit and you're like, you go from touching to not touching, yeah. which we could work on that, the tolerance there, but. This would give you that feeling. Or maybe it's not even a full movement. Maybe it's like you just get one little nudge. A nudge. Or a couple nudges yeah. per game. Table bump. Table bump. There you go. <laughs> Table bump. Oh my bump. God. It You're tilting. It's basically a tilt. Right. I mean, I wonder if that's, that's yeah. a completely different way to fix it.
1: Yeah. Anyway, these are probably things. These are neat. These, these are, neat are ideas. things you might want to think about. Yeah. I, it, and, and it's okay to have a different solution in single player than multiplayer. That right? too. You don't so single, need to be consistent. Yes.
0: Right. Like, so single player, we could we undo the turn. Oh, no problem. Absolutely. No do problem. The th-
1: do the thing that makes you know is, is positive it fun for, the player. for the player. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. As much as you can. Yeah, and remove yeah, they were the,
2: are the, the stress. ones who were having the, the fun. So yeah. Why not? Give don't
0: home. have to worry about hurting the computer's feelings. True. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think undo move or undo turn probably. I don't know which one. Both. I don't know. It Maybe seems can, I can, don't like having both, but yeah, we could have both. For single player, that sounds great. Yeah.
1: You should definitely have one or the other, I think, for sure, in single player. Okay. As yeah. Well, and you know, just yeah, yeah. start to experiment with it or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like the table nudge. I think it's that a neat would be idea. Kind of funny. Um,
0: and it means if it's a nudge, it means you're not using it to just get a free double move. Yeah. It, you know, it
1: went right. Yeah.
0: It's just like just a little bit, but it's like just enough to get behind cover or just enough. Because sometimes you're like, there's a something obscuring your attack, and you're like, I, you know, if it's hard cover, you cannot shoot through it. The yep. soft cover just reduces your accuracy. Yeah, right. But sometimes you're like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. was just off by I a few that pixels. I thought I was going to get
1: that guy. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you guys do a pretty good job of like showing what would you. happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I do realize there were a couple times where I was kind of surprised I couldn't yeah. hit someone. And I'm not quite sure why. But yeah. it was generally very good. So, um, well
0: yeah. and the game is balanced on a knife's edge, which, uh, I mean, gosh, every plus one, minus one really matters in this game. Right. So it's like that can really give you negative, you know, bad feelings if yeah. you just misjudge something.
1: And I was impressed by the prediction, the, uh, you know, showing the uh, combat predictions, uh, which Mm -hmm. I guess, I suppose, I wasn't quite sure. I don't know how you do randomness within that well we'll talk about randomness next but like i had the the one ability where if you kill a character it damages the characters next to them and like i was in a situation where oh okay yeah i was like aiming at this one character and like seven other characters all got skulls on them you're like like "Like, what is going on i'm like oh yeah that's right i got this i got this thing and like that was that was impressive that's what we were
0: talking about before right with that if this then that That, right yeah and you miss that half the time in a in a the analog game yes and then the surprise in a digital game and it's usually very good surprise yes. sometimes it's very bad but usually it's very good yeah yeah yeah, for sure
1: cool yeah. well let's yeah let's talk about probability i know that oh like, that gosh, would be a that's like the fun thing. thing to talk about um, where
0: do we begin it's like the <laughs> biggest topic in game design isn't it
1: yeah well uh, so what did how you... about
0: psychology can we talk about psychology hope <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> player motivations right
1: um okay well how does it how does it wh- How does combat work in Moonbreaker? Have you had to change it? Like, what have you discovered about what players are okay with and not okay with?
0: I mean, there's so much there. But for combat, we basically used XCOM as a starting point. Right. You know, and that has been mostly pretty... I wouldn't say it's effortless, but it's been... It's worked pretty well. I mean, they're... they're, You know, XCOM, because it's primarily single player, uh, at least word on the street, maybe you know definitively, <laughs> is that they lie They it's lie little, to you. Some
1: funny business going on there, yeah. Yeah. There's been some people, t- yeah, that's been on the record a few times. But, yeah,
0: that you know. they basically, I don't want to say lie, but they do, yeah. they, they misrepresent what, well, they give you a bonus behind the scenes. The way they would they
1: put it, they're trying to accurately yes. model a human person's there you go. perception of rims. it Makes perfect
0: sense, <laughs> which as we know is really messed up. You're right all you humans you're so wrong right <laughs> like god all of us humans why, why? people are like it was 80% chance how did I miss yeah like because it's 80% chance yeah, 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 yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
1: a like, sure thing it's a sure thing like
0: oh it's just yeah, yeah. so are you, are you guys doing something we don't I mean it's multi right now we're we're multiplayer focused sure right sure. You can't so we can't really do it in multiplayer. multiplayer
1: yeah and that would be that would be pretty weird to have that be different in single player multiplayer yeah yeah
0: yeah because you're lying I mean it's like yeah <laughs> I, I, how do you because you have the negative feelings on the other side yep, like it yeah, was 80% yeah. chance I took that into calculate my calculations yeah, 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 and, yeah. but it's actually 90% like what yep. so yeah that's that. the combat has basically worked pretty well although I think people like crits are a huge issue that we still haven't resolved mm-hmm. after all this time we, we've had basically we players I mean the reason that crits are in the game is because it's a player expectation for a tactics game, yeah. right? And because it adds that level of excitement. Yeah, and it's one I, more
1: one more dial, also.
0: Yeah, what a, like a lever to pull? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah so exactly. It's
1: another bonus for a character. Yeah, exactly.
0: We have we have characters that like increase crit chances and yep. permanently give them hunting bonuses, so they can like they crit all the time. You want now you want to kill them. Um, but I have to say that crits at, at a like if you play the game a lot. I mean, maybe this is, yeah, I guess it's no surprise when I say it out loud, but basically our expert players hate crits.
1: Okay, right. You yeah, know. sure. Yeah, that's, that isn't, uh, yeah, that, that's not, not surprising, really. It's
0: not surprising. And I normally would just write those people off because I'm like, yes, of course, you want to control the game more and more and more. But what I've come to realize is that it's actually violating like a player promise because, you know, we, we reward you for thinking really hard about your unit positioning. Sure. And then something happens that you can't control yep. and all of a sudden the unit that you thought was going to be there is now lo- no longer there and it just completely messes up your plans. Right. So we kept... Do, know,
1: um, do tabletop miniatures games have they crits? Do, they do.
0: They do have crits. Okay. Generally, yeah. Okay. okay. And I don't know why that works. I mean, you could argue that it doesn't work well in tabletop games because the popularity of them... I mean, it's really weird, but like we we've had more people play Moonbreaker probably than like... The number of Warhammer games played this year. Right. I'm just guessing. I, I, I'm pulling that number out of my butt, but I'm I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Like the scale of digital is so much bigger. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I think basically you know, I always thought crits were exciting, and then you hear from players like you see them playing on stream and you're and they get angry when a crit yeah. ruins their plans. And right. I understand why. So we basically, you know, it used to be. Crits would do one to three. Actually, they used to do used to do double damage. Right. That for years it was double damage, and then as we get more players playing, it's like okay, double is way too much. Now it's one to three, and then it's one to two, <laughs> and now and then we just remove them. Like okay. so, right in the in the game right now, there are no crits. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Okay. I it, played
1: before the last update yeah. and after the current update, I guess I didn't notice. You didn't that, notice. That crits that's, had disappeared.
0: That's what's interesting.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's a big change. It Dude. is.
0: And I have to say, I, re- I remember I removed them after I had a really bad experience myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was so mad because I, I had planned out something yeah. so perfectly and the game just ruined it. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's no way. Was this in a multiplayer game? Or yeah, a, multiplayer. yeah a multiplayer game. Okay. Yeah. And I was just was like, that's it. We're removing them. I get it. I yeah, see what people see are it. so angry about. Yeah. And if you look at, we have like a nult where people can vote on features. Yeah, and like it's like one of the fe- one of the requests is crits crits don't belong in this game, and it's like seventy votes up, sixty votes down. Uh-huh. You know, it's like one of the most polarizing. Like everything else is like some votes up yeah. and like one vote down, but yeah. this is like half and half.
1: Yeah,
0: and a lot of people, so. We, we tried enough versions of it that it kind of, whenever we try too many versions of a feature, it makes me wonder, should this be removed Yeah, instead? sure, yeah. I'm sure you've had there's that There's just maybe
1: no way to get it right. And just the fact that there's that much heat, like the the way to think of yes. it is, for the people who want crits versus the people who don't want quit crits, which one is your decision more likely to make them quit the game, right? It's probably yeah. much more likely to make the people quit the game who dislike crits <gasps> and it sticks around, as opposed to the people who want quit Want crits, yes. but they're disappointed. They're out. I doubt they're actually going to like quit Moonbreaker because crits. Unless it becomes boring. Well, sure, but it's a. It's like a. You're worried it becomes boring. Yeah, but there's lots of other like too chessy. Yeah, sure.
2: But is there a possibility to check a box when you're starting a game where you can have crits if you want them?
0: Our problem is um, we don't want to divide the community the community into pools. Um... Yeah, we've been really resistant to putting in any options because, you know, our player population is not very big as it is, and if we divide it in half, yeah. Sure. It's murder. So like we basically don't want to make any options like that. Yeah. Although I just realized we could put crits just on a per-unit basis. So if you want to play with crits, you put it you choose a unit that can crit, and your opponent knows that you've chosen a unit that can crit and they can kind of deal. It's kind of like Compartmentalized onto a unit instead right. of a systemic thing. Currently, yeah, let's talk
1: about, let's actually jump into it. I mean, yeah. It's funny, I didn't know it was out, so I'm not, <laughs> not <Yeah>. sure. That's how <laughs> useful it is to find out about this detail, this thing that is now cut from the game. Well,
0: actually, I was gonna say it was kind of I was can I finish that yeah, thought? Yeah. The I, I I got so mad I removed them. Yeah. And I forgot I I was just like, we gotta just try it without them. Yeah, you sure. And then it worked, and I then we shipped the patch. And I had forgotten, I I basically had forgotten. I didn't consciously remove them. I just wanted to try it. Yeah. And it slipped out. Oh, so you I, forgot
1: that you were... I had forgot
0: it. that I was testing <laughs> it. I got busy with something else. So, yeah. So, it dropped... How,
1: how did they respond to that? No one said anything. Well, that's...
0: Okay. So, I think it's basically yes. good, but I still... I miss, I'm missing them. You think some extent. people
1: just haven't realized they're gone?
0: I mean... We made so many changes in this last it, version. It's telling know. though. I mean,
1: this is absolutely the type of thing you should do in early access. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's the do worst
2: case. The oh yeah. So it's in the oh, patch
1: notes.
0: I may not have written it right. into the patch <laughs> note. because I don't write the final patch yeah. notes, but I usually try to assemble the main changes. In this one, I might have specific, forgotten it.
1: In this one specific case, it makes a fascinating example <laughs> because it's the type yes. of thing that you don't, you, if, if it just doesn't happen, you just be like, oh, I guess I just got lucky. And you don't think about it. You may not even think about
0: it at all, right? This that you can
1: check?
0: Oh, which group? Discord, Discord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see what they think. Yeah. yeah,
2: if they notice, that's a great experiment. I'm, sh-
0: I'm sure someone has written about it. I just missed it. There's just a stream. Yeah, you yeah know, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm. It's such
1: a key element. I. I I'm, so yeah. how does it work? It was you have regular. You have regular damage. First off, you have like a. Yep. You have a fifty-eight percent chance to yep. hit. Ten percent of that. And if you miss, nothing. Oh, oh, that's how it works. So it's a fifty-eight percent chance to hit. Forty-two percent of the time is total miss. Yep. Ten percent of fifty. Five point eight percent of the time yep. it's a crit. That's yep. how it works?
0: Okay. So if you hit, there's a ten percent chance. And uh, it used to be double.
1: Off. Yep. And you 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 watered it all the way down so it was just plus one to two damage.
0: Yep. And it just And a, then yeah.
1: a straight integer, not a percentage, just yep. plus one to two
0: damage. It's just random. It's either one or two, fifty-fifty.
1: Okay. Everything else was completely done. You know, it's interesting because I I'm not sure if you'd asked me if I would have told you that beyond that damage was deterministic in
0: in Moonbreaker right you wouldn't have no you wouldn't be able to
1: answer so I think that's a that's a plus in the category of because there's a lot of stuff that goes on yeah and taking away critical hit I think means that by now I would have been like you know what this I can trust the numbers that I see interesting right like like this every time I've seen three glowing lines as long as I've hit yeah the three glowing lines have disappeared so there's not something else going on that I'm not aware of right
0: um that makes me, oh, I have so many ideas now. It makes me think <laughs> that we should have random damage, your variable damage, mm. which we never really tried because it basically complicates the AI. Right. Because every fork, every single attack now needs to be forked. The AI needs to think about two different cases. Right. Which then every one, every attack, just like, it's exponential. Right. right. So that's why the programmers were like, really just try not to have variable damage because it really yeah. screws with the AI. Um, but it also makes me think if crits could be a game mechanic where a crit by itself does basically nothing or could just have a minor non-damage effect. But some units, when they crit something special happens. Right. So it's like, it's almost like a whole new lever that we can work with, but it's not just damage. It could be like, you're stunned. Yeah. This one stuns on crit.
1: I would, I would probably argue against it. I didn't even know there's another reason not to have it, but I would probably argue against variable damage. Mm. Like in a game where there's so few units yeah. And everything is really tight. Yeah. You know, like, that's the reason people, like, people are reacting against critical it's hits. True. They want it's to be true. able to figure out what's going to happen. However, like, in the whole, like, input-output-randomness yep. discussion, yep. right, like, uh, you know, critical hit is classic output-randomness, right? Yep. Like, you roll a dice, and yep. you, see what, you see what happens. But maybe what you could do is turn critical hits into input-randomness. So <laughs> yep. if, if you get a critical hit, that just means that this unit that yep. attacked will get some special power next totally. turn. Totally. You'll we'll yep. get an extra like like a, they'll hit double. Yep,
0: but next turn, not this turn. I love that. We've talked about something similar. It's just I don't know how you theme it, right? It's like if I crit, then I get plus one attack next turn. It means you're like super char- you're charged, or you're boosted. I think or it's, you're... that's like the perfect reframe, and
1: right? Boosted. Yeah, boosted. Yeah, I think
0: that's. I mean, that fits the game perfectly. Yeah. And And that's flowing
1: a certain way and then they know like, okay, we gotta try to kill that unit. Yeah. So that changes the other person's strategy on the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it differently.
0: It's just theming. Boost boosting. So instead of a crit.
1: Take some time to think about the right word. That's yeah, that's not my specialty. Yeah. but <laughs> I feel like I bet you could find the right word.
0: For yeah, me. if we could find the right word, it'd be great. Another one we talked about, which oh, I even think like, even like a destiny, like <gasps> this kid is Ooh, used you, faded naming
1: is your
2: power. I'm watching Charlie's face. I
1: love that <laughs>
0: faded or, to like have a great turn or like to do something. Or that you, you could just also get plus accuracy next turn, right. which is like kind of a, can't a miss huge or deal. Yeah, can't miss next attack will hit. Or next attack versus be, that unit. <gasps> it could be different for different units, you oh, know. Like, yeah, that's so good. So that leads. Okay, well, actually, we had another variant on this, which is similar to what you just said, but it's when I hit the unit, they lose. They are like they lose accuracy on their next attack. Right. Sure. The yeah. only problem with that is we have a bunch of spellcaster units that don't have attacks. Right. So it kind of maybe maybe we still do it anyways but that one is basically perfect because it makes it harder for your opponent to play right. and it is variable but it's totally in their control. Yeah. And that leads us to one of the rules that took us a very long time to figure out which we finally just I believe is 100% true for this game which is that we need a one turn telegraph on everything.
1: Okay. What does that mean exactly?
0: Which means like so we had uh we we have like some where we had have I don't know if we what the current state is right now, but um units that have charge. So when you deploy a unit, normally they have summoning sickness like magic. Yep. You can't use them right away. But some units have charge because every other game does it. And because it's <laughs> exciting. Roll, right? Super exciting. But there's it's so frustrating to have a game about positioning where you know someone's gonna do something and you can't stop it. It's yeah. their turn. You literally can do nothing. Right. You're helpless. So that along with well, there's some ship assist ship powers, which I'm sure we're going to talk about next. But those kind of led us to realizing that players didn't like the the out of nowhere something happens. It kind of violates the core promise of of a strategy game, right? You know, at least. And that's what's really weird about this game is no one has really done. I mean, actually, you you might know. Some has anyone done like a turn based tactics game in multiplayer successfully? Like in a, like kind of a big way, like not just like, right? You know, ten percent of the players play it multiplayer, but like like a truly
1: <sighs> yeah. Big I way. mean, it's it's um, it's always been like oh they did a pretty good job. Attached exactly a single player exactly. game. Exactly like like, XCOM. like I remember. Did you ever play Duelist? Yeah, so yeah. Duelist is
0: the only one, and that's
1: and the, that, it, yeah, that's it exactly the issue. And it like, died. I really like that game. I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, and cool. like, and I literally was like, "Hey, I was just thinking." You know, it was like total pandemic period. I was like, "Hey, yeah. I want to play some some games with my buds. What's a good digital game we can play?" Yeah. Oh yeah, Duelist. Duelist. Let's go. What? Gone. It's yeah, gone. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, there's a whole. I know we have a whole business discussion about about the issues a game like that can face, but like, right. um, but yeah, it's not. It's not been. Super, super successful. And
0: why is that? Is it because of these reasons? Is it because I,
2: I can't play a strategy game where so much randomness is there? I lose my mind. So, I'm like most people. You're like one I've of those been people. I've strategizing. Yeah, I'm strategizing. The whole point of a strategy is because if you follow this plan, you might guarantee you know a certain result, and then whatever yeah. happens, and you're like, okay, I just I just can't continue with this game.
1: It's so interesting. It's, it's super difficult, I think, as a designer, to judge these things fairly because, like with Old World, like I love playing multiplayer Old World. Mm. Like we're we're in the middle of, on our team. We have mm-hmm. a four versus four play by cloud team game that's so been cool. going for six months now. We have this huge map. Wow. Each of us have four nations on the side. We're coordinating, we're so battling, cool. there's back and yeah. forth. We actually thought we were gonna lose early on, but I think we're now we're gonna probably end up winning like wow. long term. It's been going um, on forever. Yeah. Wow. It's it's one of the best gaming experiences of my life. Wow. Right? But like there's just a handful of other people out there playing this. Right. 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 It's it's a very it's a niche, hmm. you know, it's a niche mode. Hmm. And I can't object I can't view that objectively because like in my term in my view of like what's the game design quality here I'm like wow really high like this is good yeah. good stuff but that I means it won't be niche for I one. don't well no I don't I don't think there is a path
0: out there where someday there there's going to be like there is. hundreds of thousands
1: of people playing there this is. game
0: if anyone feels that strongly about it it's just destined to grow I that's how know. that's how I, I view it I think is. there's
1: I think there's some game experiences for like war games or other specific just just like it hits a certain person really or just just the fact that they are able to commit to it because like we're committing to it the way people might commit to i don't know um
0: joining a a a dnd
1: yeah dnd uh campaign yeah something like that like where it's just like the the i don't know how you're going to necessarily pull in other other people so I, i guess where i'm going with that is it makes it hard for me to know like how much money like yeah you say to like invest in something like that mm-hmm. because it is kind of like um, you know I think it's it's hard to judge where what the audience is gonna do with it because I'm like I think this is great but old world is out there it's doing well there's tons yeah. of people playing a single player yeah and there's like we're really happy with how many people are playing a multiplayer. Right. But I don't think it could support itself that way. Right. Right. You know right. so it's 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 really difficult. And so you're asking about, like, like, how do multiplayer games go? So first off, turn-based multiplayer is just a challenge, period.
0: Unless right. you're CCG.
1: Yeah, unless you're CCG, you got very short turn times. And it's interesting, yeah. because even then, like, what's the big success recently? Marvel Snap, yeah. which is actually uh, mm-hmm. simultaneous turns,
0: yeah, right? True. Which
1: is super hard to pull off. Yeah. It's really interesting, because the game they took that from... Uh, my, Atlanta- my Vampire Vendetta board
0: game. What's that? <laughs> oh, I made a board game that has the exact same three locations. Oh also. really? Have you played Airland Sea? N- oh no, I haven't. It's so great. Oh, I've been hearing about it, it for so long. It's fantastic. Oh, I want to go. Happened. I want to go buy it today.
1: Yeah, uh, I have it in my luggage. Okay, we're, we're playing
0: it <laughs> after this.
1: Really
0: I've been wanting to play it for a long time. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um,
1: okay. And it has three locations. Three locations. Yep. Okay. You, you get a, you get dealt six cards. Oh. Each person plays all you each play all six of your cards yeah and the highest they have numbers and the highest numbers wins yeah. but each each card also has some special oh so that's right. that's where okay, yeah that's the so, big influence
2: yeah that's that's like a wonderful game sarn and i have this habit to, you know for the last 16 years of playing a game every morning it's accidental oh my god i love this <laughs> and there's like you
0: guys are living my dream life this is amazing
2: <laughs> so we, we used to play like this game games like a just a card game. Yeah. And then we started playing Splendor for fun. Splendor. And then now we're playing
1: uh Ireland Ireland sea. And, sea. and
2: it's just amazing. I love this game. Oh. Uh and I keep saying I wish there was like a digital version just mm-hmm. because sometimes I have like this card that can add points to this you have to add to it add all up, and, and, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But then you know what? That's how you might beat Alzheimer's. I <laughs> oh, <laughs> because true. Because it's a true. limited amount of cards. The best yeah, thing yeah. about this this game is that it doesn't have a lot of cards. It's a limited amount. Yeah. How many cards are there? There's right?
1: eighteen cards. Love so it. So you have six. They have six. And then six aren't in play. But you know, kind of what your opponent might have. But so what's interesting is Marvel Snap? I mean, of course they did the the thing that they, of course they would do as well. We're going to have. Two a thousand cards, cards, right? Yeah. Like that's the whole. We, yeah. They need that for the business model. Sure. But the big, the big change they made was we're going to play the game. We're going to play our cards yep. simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which I think makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see because wherever, wherever Magic or Hearthstone is, those games can't can't be played simultaneously. Like no. you'd have to
0: you'd have to redesign yep. a lot of them totally. to, to work that way. But they managed through just pure UI magic. Like arena, I never would have thought they could have made it as streamlined as they did. Sure, like it's it's as far as I can tell, as fast as playing Hearthstone. Like all with all the interrupts and being able to like have all, it just works. I'm so surprised. Yeah.
1: Well, they you know they, (laughs) I guess they saw the great potential. Yeah. If they get it right, so they put they took the time to do that. Um. But yeah, so you know, so talking about turn based, right? Like. Um, if you can't play simultaneous turn you can't be taking moves simultaneously which I don't know how you that seems impossible yeah and, and you know it's its its a challenge like you, you're going to have to find players who are willing to spend half their time waiting
0: yeah right which and hasn't been an issue so far it doesn't seem to be the issue right like we have other issues but that doesn't seem to be one of them it's pretty snappy okay. I And mean, our games are you know between 12 and 15 minutes right which is like a miracle for yeah. a miniatures game oh yeah a true miracle
1: I mean the time yeah That I mean that's that would be one of the hard things, uh, it, uh, yeah. I mean, so the actual time spent while playing these games—that's like that must be a huge consideration for you guys, right? Like, yeah. you can't—you must have some black thick line of like we can't go beyond this. Yeah. So you probably have thought about game design ideas where like, oh, well, we just can't do this because like it'll blow past the time. I
0: mean, I don't know if it—I don't know if we ever verbalize it, but like, well, I mean, the turn t- the game time has always been like high on my mind personally, yeah. but and it's varied throughout development. But Usually, it's weird things that throw it off, things that you would not expect. expect. Yeah, like we actually, our most recent patch, our game times just skyrocketed because we made an economy change. Right? We've already fixed it in the experimental branch, but like I was not expecting game times to increase from that one, right? Just a sure. really, it, it's clear, it's completely obvious now that I look back on it, but did they would it increase from what? Like oh, what was causing it to increase? Um, oh my gosh, um, basically because we went from what I'm now calling the HSMR, the Hearthstone okay. Mana Ramp. Right. You heard it here, folks. Right. heard it here first, folks. HSMR, uh, you know, where you get like one mana, yep. two mana, three, four, five, six. We always had that for like years. And then we made some really big economy changes. We added a whole new resource leadership yep. just for deploying units, yep. which was really needed. And I'm embarrassed that it took so long to figure that out. But um, now that we added that, we as part of that, we also tried giving you a bunch of spawn resource to start the game, Mm -hmm. which is much closer to a traditional miniatures game. Mm -hmm. But then we give you only like three leadership every turn from then on. So it starts big and then flat, and you can can save certain turns to spawn something bigger. And it worked. It was super strategic and all that, but basically you just have a whole lot less mana. So it's just, you can't get units out. The big units can't come out faster, and the big units tend to end the game faster. And yeah, yeah. Game times just basically doubled probably just from that one change. Yeah. And then we're gonna go back to the mana ramp, but continuing with the two resources. Yeah. And that is just like, that's it's so weird. Like we threw the baby out with the bathwater, like we threw out the escalating resources with the old resource model, but actually that part was working. We just needed to split up from one resource to two. Yeah, so I experienced
1: that change going from, you know, the the yeah, the inherited sort of models, right? Right. And certainly I thought it was interesting this whole thing of like you've got you got this mana, and you can either spend it on uh, you can spend it on powers, or you can spend yeah. it on units, right? Yeah. Like. That seemed interesting. Yeah. So I'd be, it'd be interesting to hear. Sure. How you how you decided to like leave that behind? Because that for sure is a is a is a is an interesting tension. Yep. But I don't want to maybe answer the question for you. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes tensions are so. <laughs> you difficult. can take this one. Yeah. Sometimes tensions are so difficult. It's like you could look at it like okay, this is a solid game day decision, but it's not fun for the player. But anyway, I want to hear what what you went through.
0: I mean, basically, it's just pure balance. Okay. I mean, I never like I don't play the game. At a high enough level to see it but our top players they just would not use two-thirds of the units because they if you can get one unit okay could, and it, it basically yep. it all stems from getting a free attack and a free movement per unit yep. like that's free so if you spend your if, if you spend your cinder to basically spawn units and then now that they're spawned they get free attacks and free movements for the rest of the game till they die that basically just means for the most part you just need to want you just need to keep spawning new units. And never using the abilities on the units, which also cost Cinder. Yeah. Even though the abilities are awesome, they're just not as awesome as spawning a new unit. Right. For the vast majority of units. So we just got, it got very stale very quickly. They solved it. Yeah. And as soon as we divided it up into two resources, every single unit has been used. And, okay. and their abilities are being used all the time and it just, it completely right. solved it. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's weird. It's yeah. one of those
1: things where it's like, theoretically, you could find the right balance. In. Theoretically. Right. But sometimes it's like, why are, we fighting, why are we fighting this battle over and over again? It's interesting, yeah. When we, if we just split it, we know that, like, okay, maybe we've lost something. But we know that, like, our game's a little safer now. Or not, yeah. I don't know, say resilient. Yeah. Right? Like, right? In that people are definitely going to use the powers. Yeah. There's, there's, they're, they're 100% sure we're going to use their powers. The game is just better for that. I,
0: I guess that's It the, is better. And I don't... I actually, I'm wondering, if it is possible, could we have found... I wonder if we like tripled the cost of everything, you know, so we had way more granularity because we had kind of like a Hearthstone 1 through 10, everything was 1 through 10. Yeah. You know, the max unit that you could deploy cost 10, the back, you know, max ability cost would be 10. If we went, if that went from like 1 to 30 instead or 0 to 30, I wonder if... I mean, it's certainly possible that, I mean, would that, would that have changed anything? Uh, I mean, it might have been possible if we did that actually. Right. But um, like you said, I'm not really sure why you go through all that work. Right. Um, it's just, it is quote unquote more complex to have two resources. But in practice, it's actually easier for players or it seems to be like it might be easier. Yeah. Because they just say, oh, this thing's spawning. Okay, I want to spend as much of that as I can or at least maybe save some of this for this big unit. Yeah. And now I've got Cinder, which I can use for my abilities. And it's just a much more clear yeah. Uh, proposition. Although we did have to add cinder generation, yeah. We have units that generate cinder, so that makes it. Yeah, more
1: I wonder if we could more. have something where, um, like we have we have a bunch of different we have <laughs> old world is a lot of resources. That's the thing. You're, that's a different. <laughs> like whole we have different a ridiculous beast. number yeah. of resources. Yeah. Um, but we do a thing where if you have a whole lot of one, we allow it to convert into another, just at a super yep. bad rate. Yep. Like if you have more training than what you know what to do with. We made off-world training uh, training right. company, So come on, <laughs> you're going to be converting. Yeah. And so the, the the point is that, like, I could imagine you having a thing where, you know, you do actually allow people to convert cinder into yeah. leadership if yeah. they if they wanted some, if there was this one particular type of strategy of, like, okay, yeah. I want to go heavy heavier units and abilities, but, like, yeah. the conversion is pretty bad. Yeah. Like, then yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. easy dial to control where it's, True. like, okay, you could spend five cinder for one leadership, yeah. right? Which yeah, is, yeah, like, normally you would never want to do that, but right. at least it's there. It's there. Like, if you want to, like, you know... We've
0: talked leadership. about it. I think... Yeah, it's so new that we're yeah, kind of sure. don't yes, want to break yeah, the line yet. Yep. But like break the division. But we have talked about adding. It actually opens up some other fun strategies where you could allow, like basically gameplay skill. Like say say you hit three units in a like in a row or yeah. three. There's one unit that can like attack units in a in a row. She's got a spear and just like goes through all of them. So if you can manage to line up your opponent's units possibly by moving them around or yep. smart positioning. If you hit, like, three in a row, she could get, like, a one-time leadership bonus. Like, you just got yep. plus one leadership. Right. Which now lets you spawn, like, a significantly more powerful unit. Yeah. So we've talked about doing that, but we're thinking about doing it more skill-based. I
2: like conversions. Like I, do, I, I, yeah. yeah. I do. Because, yeah. you know, if you have so much of something that it's no longer valuable to you, yeah. you want to do something with them. And True. it goes to, like, workers. When I've done everything possible uh, with Old World with my workers, and now I'm just almost on like auto playing like i just don't yeah. want to do this i can convert them to militia which brings you more yeah. to like you know in an old world uh, you know farmers workers would join a militia right i can embrace that concept true but i just don't like uselessness so it's kind of nice to yeah turn it, it into makes into sense
1: something. Yeah, it's funny, like the the, the 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 what you're talking through maybe sort of thinking of like soft currencies and hard currencies and mm-hmm. free play games. I think there's like a it's, certain amount of overlap of like there's a reason why those things are things are separate. Um,
0: That's the thing. It's like it gets really complicated when you because you're basically taking two things that are have two different purposes and yeah. blending them. Right. And like it's what is this ha- it's gotta really make sure it really helps you and doesn't undermine you. Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: um, okay. Uh, so you alluded to Something like this wasn't something that we we this is something we thought we'd have a problem with, but it it wasn't actually. Instead, it was this other stuff. Yeah. So, what are some of the things that you've had problems with? Oh my gosh,
0: so many things. Um. Uh, so basically, when we launched the game, we we were true. We it was a, it's an early it's in early access right sure. now. It's been in there for five months, four months. Um. We thought we were launching like the beginning of a live service. Yeah. And we've been gearing up. We knew. You know, years ago when we started this game, it didn't take very long for us to figure out we wanted this to be a live service game. Because, you know, you're making miniatures like this. It's the right model. You need a lot of people like it's just um, we wanted to have a story. We wanted to have a world. We just, you know, Warhammer has been going for decades. It just made a lot of sense for this style of game. Um, we certainly could have done like a small game, a much smaller game and just stuck it in a box and been done with it. Um, but that's not what we chose. So, yeah.
1: and I actually like if you could take the time to actually yeah. define what you mean by a live service game. Oh yes, yeah, sure.
0: Because, like, it, it's one of those
1: terms; mm. that can mean very different things for very different games. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I obviously assume you mean we're going to add. You know, there can be new miniatures, right? Yep. Like, obviously, yeah. But, like, what else does that mean?
0: Um. Well, so Subnautica, we basically designed the game as a as a uh, complete package. Right. You know, it's just one and done. Yeah, There's an end. It's all tidy and everything. And we would have loved to have been able to, like, it would have been great if we could have kept working on it. But at some point we just had, you know, there's nothing else we can add to it that's not, you know, it doesn't really lend itself well to that. So, yeah. Um, let's see. New new miniatures, new maps. Uh, we, we have, like, this whole pod, uh, podcast animated uh, or whatever, um, fully acted podcast. We want to add new episodes there. Uh, we want to add just like long term game mechanics and cosmetics mm-hmm. and yeah. just we, we wanted to, you know miniatures games are are you know they call them like hobbies yes right right it's it's more like a pastime more than a, more than a game right so we wanted to really embrace that and let people really go crazy with it and okay you know so you
1: launched early access with the idea that this is going to be a live service exactly and
0: and so we had like lined up you know we had been like working on our like unit pipeline, like make sure we have tons of units in progress. We like designed like this entire world with Brandon Sanderson, like, you know, built all this stuff. We just like, we really did our homework to make sure that we were planning ahead and getting way ahead of like on the art side and all that. Uh, So we knew, but at the same time, we also knew that we had to ship because the game doesn't really become real, you know, obviously until you ship something. So we're like, what's the minimum amount that we could ship that might succeed? And that was like, well, okay, no single player, you know, multiplayer only 40, about 40 units. That's like the bare minimum. Um, And then we added a store on top of that so we could like, you know, put out new units and stuff like that. And so we made that plan, worked really hard to finish that up, released it. And we we knew it was early access, but at the same time, we also wanted to like polish it up. So it was like, not like your typical early access, which is a little jankier. We actually like pretty much finished this one out. Um, and so there, we knew there wasn't going to be much there, but we thought that we'd now be on the track where we could just be cranking out, co- you know, unit content, uh, units and content. Um, what turned out to be the case was, so basically it was early access on the surface, but like our, like expectation of the whole thing is that we're launching a live service. Mm-hmm. That was like our own internal. Plus we had just been bought by Krafton, right. Krafton does, they know how to operate games as a live service. PUBG is like the third biggest game or second biggest game in the world. Right they this is like a huge advantage we have to be working with them. So we wanted to take advantage of that. Um, turned out that when we, even though we, we had had like a one, like a, a one year, maybe like 300 person friends and family group up till then, where we're testing every single week, sending out emails, getting feedback, fixing, you know, fixing things, changing stuff. We've been iterating for a long time in semi-public. And so we had thought we'd figured out all the issues. But we basically had like made a few really big mistakes. I mean, it's hard to even call them mistakes because it's early access. Mm-hmm. Like, there's right. no way we could have known these things. Right.
1: That's, the point, really That's the
0: point. That's the whole point. But our expectation was so different.
2: That's where you should be making the mistakes.
0: Yeah, it is. I just wish we had paid them like a year.
1: <laughs> I wish well, we had better, launched better than a couple years. Early couple early years ahead. from
0: now. Oh, so. it's true. But I just wish. I guess I wish we'd launched early access instead of our friends and family. Sure. That's right. what I wish we had done.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, anyways, it's in the past. So we realized that one of the only things that we, that that a friends and family thing cannot figure out for you that can find an issue is monetization. Mm-hmm. Because they all got the game for free. Yeah. Right. You know, like <laughs> they're not
1: we're not going to complain about that. Not gonna,
0: yeah. That it's, and then we put a store in and players day one were like, they spent 30 bucks on the game. They run the game and they see five currencies on the menu. Right. And there's like, what is this crap? You're gonna, you guys are gonna like victimize us and abuse us and gotchas and all this stuff, and and we weren't, and we even in the even in the game we it wasn't the case. Like if you played the game for like two hours, you would have everything without spending a dime. But the expectation, as soon as they saw that, was you're gonna screw us over. Yeah. So we got like kind of reamed immediately, like in the Steam reviews, people were like really upset about that, which was totally baffling to me. Because again, but now that I, now that I look back on it, I can understand. Friends and family didn't have that expectation. They didn't even, we had put the store in last minute. Like the store had just finally come in pretty hot. Yeah. So I was just thrilled that we got the store in. I wasn't even thinking about the perception. Yeah. I mean, we probably had the currencies on the menu two weeks before we launched. I mean, I mean. Early on, store is just a feature, right?
1: Like, I thought so. Like, it's great. The this store is awesome. We're almost ready, and it's like it's cool. gonna be all these new
0: captains and skins. It's gonna be so awesome. Yeah, that's not how it was interpreted. <laughs> yeah. So that was a big disappointment. Um, and then probably the other big one was that, um, yeah, like some of the game, some of the randomness in the game, and some of the it has like a, definitely had a CCG influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking a lot about hearthstone today and yep. like that part was definitely in there. And there was this randomness where you basically you could choose your roster, choose you know choose what units you want to play with, make your list, and then you go play online and you don't get all your units when you start. you have to basically reinforce and they randomly yep. come, appear in your hand. So to me, like it, it worked in quotes. And it, it prevented the meta from getting stale. This is one of many methods we've tried and thrown away over the years to prevent the meta from getting stale. We, as, a, as an aside, Keyforge was a huge inspiration. Okay. If you played, you know, do you know about Keyforge? I know about Keyforge. Yeah. Yeah. So, that game, you can't build your own decks. Right. It's a CCG, but not a CCG, it's a, it's a collectible deck game. Yeah. You get a deck, you play with the deck, that's it. Right. And I love that format for so many reasons. And we tried that as well, again, to prevent a stale meta. Anyways, we ended up with this uh, randomness in there, and no one really said that they hated it. But I think it became clear over the next month or so that like we were violating a promise of miniatures, right? Which is that you buy your miniatures. I mean, in tabletop, you buy your mini. You know, you see your miniatures that you might want. You identify with one of the factions. You get really excited. I'm an orc player. I'm an Eldar player, or whatever. You spend way too much money to buy your set. You start painting them. You read all the rules. Then you play with them, and you can always play with them. So we had all that, except that you couldn't just actually play with them. You know, half the time you wanted to get a unit out, you couldn't. What
1: was the what was the, the uh, range here? Like, how many units would you start? Someone... You eight eight in your roster back uh-huh. then,
0: and then you started with either three or four if you're first or second player.
1: Okay, so half your units would be there. Yeah, man. Yeah, I would probably make that mistake too. Like from. From playing games like Hearthstone or whatever, it just seems it like seems that's fine. It seems fine, like right? Fine. Like, that's what people are used to. They're building a collection of stuff, and they get some of them at different times. And
0: you Some know. people liked it. Yeah,
1: sure. I you mean, it, it may even be, at, you know, work platonically or whatever, ideally, the, the right way to do it, right? But Maybe. I, mean, I guess if there is a really strong expectation that that's not how it's going to work, it's it's hard to...
0: I mean, know, no one really it. said that they didn't like it, but I think what I realized... I'm like, why aren't people playing this more? Like, I love this game. And and our dev team, you know, you never know if if your dev team is like being totally honest with you or whatever. But we all loved it. We played it every week. Uh, You know, every Friday we have like a two-hour play test. You know, people show up. Those rooms are full. We're having fun. At least I thought we were. Close games and interesting games and varied. And then I realized that it it wasn't just that one, the randomness part of it. It was the fact that we basically had along the way... taken inspiration from both CCGs and tabletop games. Mm -hmm. We ended up with something that was kind of a hybrid. Mm -hmm. And it kind of was like the worst of both. You know, we didn't have the number of cards from a CCG because they don't have all these 3D requirements. They can just make a piece of art, you know, some VFX and just 2D art can make a card. Mm -hmm. For us, we we didn't have the variety. And we also didn't, we weren't really embracing the miniatures feel like we, we, it wasn't really about the position as much. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, but basically we had one victory condition, which was killed captain. Right. which I've seen one miniatures game do that. War Machine, which I think is an amazing uh, miniatures game. Mm-hmm. But basically we, we weren't leaning into the positional aspect. We didn't have control points. We didn't have like stuff that yeah. varied in the map. Mm-hmm. So it was just very strange. It's like, what kind of game... Who are you targeting here? Is it like... It's kind of it's the worst... Like half a CCG, half a miniature game, and each each side is lessening the other. Yeah. And that—that's when I realized it's like we have to lean in hard on the miniature side.
1: Yeah, where how you? You said like people weren't complaining about it, but how do you like get a sense? I mean, that, you because that. that happens a lot in games. Like yeah, the, the things people people might not enjoy something and they don't they, they talk about something else. They they're right. whatever. So it's it's right. really hard sometimes to figure this stuff out. To figure out what so the like, real root is. Like, where we just tell them to talk about your intuition there or, or whatever. I Once. mean,
0: people were complaining about the single victory condition.
1: I mean, the the way the game started with like yeah. four out of eight or whatever, like that type of thing,
0: that part of it. Oh, the units in your hand? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, I, I think that that was, it was less that issue. It was more about, the real issue was we we were trying to blend Miniature's game with CCG. Yeah. And the randomness in your hand and even having a hand and it's like, what do you call it? Yeah. Is it a deck? We always had different terms for it. Just that whole concept of, we basically had, the bigger, let's see, let me say, the the bigger framing, reframing we had to do was, we had gone too simple with the game. Yeah. It was too close to a simple CCG, like Snap or Hearthstone. Yeah. And it's like a miniatures game, we were cutting too close, like we were removing the juiciness of yeah, this game. Yeah, sure, Okay. So we, instead of making it ultra accessible or what we thought was like, you know, whatever, 8 out of 10 on accessibility, we had to make it more like a 5 or a 6. Mm-hmm. And that's where the miniatures game really shines. Okay. More stats on your unit, more abilities, more interesting abilities, um, and then more positional stuff, more stuff in the map. Yeah. So we had to flesh out that stuff and really, I think of it like the way I told the team, described to the team, is like we need the lusciousness of miniatures. Right. And we, we were missing that. We're trying to abstract everything down into essentially cards, Right. and it just—it wasn't working.
1: I, I like the control points, by the way, too. Oh, good, I, I feel thanks. Like that, that, That's that a good step. It, I mean, honestly, anytime you get multiple victory conditions, it yeah. oftentimes opens mm. up games a lot because oh, it means yeah. you can think differently about the reasons why you should do why you should do this or. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I wasn't planning to go for this, but now there's this opening. Yep. Uh, or even two different sides who are closer to different victory conditions. Like, that's also super interesting. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought that was... It helped a lot. And that's,
0: like, the first step. We have way more to do. There's, yeah. Now we're starting to see where the magic of the game is. Yeah. You know, elements in the map. Like, we we're adding... Um, we just added... I can't remember, can't remember what's been released, but which variant of this, but we have the, like th- these cinder carts that mm-hmm. you can basically get resources from. We'd never had something in the map right. that could affect your economy. Like it's, yep, it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we went farther with it, which which is like you can harvest from it, but also because our, our cinder is like a volatile resource. It's, right. it's like physically, it's like flammable essentially. It explodes. We can, it, if you, you can also attack it. So if units are clustered around it, you can destroy that thing and it blows up it blows and does up. damage yeah. to the units. Yep. Way more interesting, right? Yep. Now you can pull units into it and yeah. then blow it up or you can yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it
1: seems like you're getting to the to understand that like the physicality of everything yes. is what's really important about, that's the core about mini miniatures to begin with it's so.
0: positioning the one turn telegraph and then the last thing which we're just starting to get to now which is the really being able to identify with your faction yeah this is I, something we really missed i didn't quite understand what what exactly is the one turn telegraph oh it's, sorry
1: um, you mentioned one, it before, but yeah, yeah. it's it.
0: Basically, anything that can change the game needs to not, needs to take one turn before it takes effect. Ah, uh, okay, sure. Kind of sure. like Justin was talking about with how they did yep. the... the uh, what, did they, what did they call it? Actually, he couldn't remember on your podcast. He you couldn't remember what he called it either. It's, where the units tell you what they're attacking before they attack. Right, and the prediction. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I'm it's the same here. idea. Yeah, right. Uh, which I think maybe they were inspired by Slay the Spire... I think maybe so they I'm did sorry, that. I'm sorry, I forget the order. I can't remember the, the ordering either. It doesn't but matter. Yeah, but it's, yeah,
1: it's, it's becoming a new design tool, right? right. People are realizing like it's, it's okay to actually just tell them, just tell them. exactly what's going to happen. For some games, that's that's cool, you know, that's, especially if you have a fewer limited number of units. And right, so it all kind of makes right, sense, right. you know. That's
0: true. I hadn't thought about the number of units. Yeah. So yeah, we like, you know, we had all this like random exciting stuff that was happening that were, it was basically destroying the core. Right. And our ship assists, that's the other big topic that uh, we haven't talked about. One of the other big topics we haven't talked about yet. But those are like the random ship powers. Uh, they're random in in that in the version that we shipped. You couldn't even select them. I mean, you could select them at game time, mm-hmm. but you weren't given a total selection of them. You were only given a random selection. Right. Each, and so you had to make do with the best that you were given. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, a CCG kind of yeah, element to sure. mix things up. Um, and people basically... They didn't say that they hated that. Like, some people really liked that. Mm. But I think the problem was, like, if you if with your roster you get one ship assist that is, like, clinch. Like, it's like yeah. killer for your roster and your opponent doesn't get it. Yeah, sure. Or it's better on one map and they, you get it and they don't, then it's just, like, an immediate, like, okay, I've already lost the game. Right. Or you feel like you've already lost the game even if you haven't. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: But, see, multiplayer is different from single player because yeah. it's an important thing to keep in mind. Like, you may even want to... Want to have a different solution for the different types of games because totally. since and I was did, playing just a single player, okay, great because no, we've like le- we've learned that now, yeah, yep. because the ship assist being mixed up yep. works really well in single player because it exactly forces it. me to play differently. Whereas in multiplayer, variety, uh, yeah, variety is not the problem, or what, what's the right word? I'm blanking on what it is, but yeah, like diversity, or- diversity, like yeah, the, the game being different each time yeah, is not yeah. a problem because you're playing humans, right? right. Like you <laughs> are going to have plenty of like mm. ver- uh, of variation. Variation?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right,
1: variation. Yeah, yeah. you have
0: play variation because the humans are already there providing that. So that... Actually, I want to ask you about this. Okay. Is that... Because I could waffle back and forth on this. Is that true? Because like... Like StarCraft, you don't see that many varied openings, right? Everyone kind of knows. Yeah. But it's still awesome because it's the exact execution. Yeah. It's like,
1: StarCraft's kind of an odd game because... Um, I mean, from my point of view, right, the maps are always the same and they're also, their maps are very tight and there's kind of like a few ways to play the game. So you kind of know different ways, different things can, you know, you kind of know what to expect yeah. you know, if you play it kind of over and over again. Um, and But beyond that, I may not have a good answer for this. How about chess? Uh, for chess. <laughs> um, all right. So the question is, does a human actually bring enough variation to chess? I mean, I think so, right? Like sometimes I think about chess. It's like, well, you also you start with like the exact same pieces in the exact same positions. Like, how does this game actually have variety? Because right. you figure like I remember as a kid, I would usually yeah. like copy my dad's moves, you know, kind of as far as I could go, right? Right. And um, you know, it seems like there's only so many options, but it's just one of these things that like over time chaos takes over and yeah. um, things like go off in, in wild directions. And I, and I think that happens with StarCraft too. I mean, yeah, I think humans humans bring like you know, humans bring an amazing amount of variety to a game, like not just the yeah. stuff they do well, but but screwing up and like making the wrong right. choice and looking right, right. And looking at the wrong part of the map, right? You know, right. which is never an issue for the, the AI. The AI has other issues, but those right, issues right. are unfortunately kind of predictable, right? Hmm. So,
0: I guess yeah, I'm I know that that's true. I guess like the- like
1: a lot of the lessons from a lot of the things that you've been bringing up. Uh, are tools that people use to mix up single player games, which uh, yeah, oh, I, I think you just you don't necessarily need to do in multiplayer. Now, of course, you know CCGs or CCGs are built around that, right? Like that's that's kind of like the whole the whole concept. So it still it still could be useful, but I don't. It's it's not necessary. right? Yeah. depending upon what your game is trying to achieve, right?
0: I guess I so I agree. I definitely agree. It's not necessary. The, my only question. My like doubt is still is like, is your game going to be better if you still can like basically not have a stale meta or basically anything, anything you do to prevent the meta from being stale is basically hurting your game and no one actually cares enough anyways. Cause skill finding the meta and then actually executing it at that high level, especially, and it's going to be tweaking a little bit, you know, someone put one different card in there, like whatever hunter priest deck or whatever it's like they they mixed it up this tournament because they did one variation but that's actually significant at that level right so right i mean that's should I mean, we strive to still have variation just, even though we don't have to have it
1: yeah it's funny i was just listening to a podcast where richard garfield was talking about this issue yeah where you know he was saying like early on when he made magic um you know he he thought he thought he was making a game that would have infinite variety right the like yeah. every time you play you'd be facing a new deck yeah. and everyone's doing things differently yeah. and you're just going to have this a thousand flowers are going to bloom and yeah. whatever and instead you ended up with like five decks because right. everyone's copying each other's decks and like yeah. or, and we're know, optimizing everyone knows, everyone's optimizing people are optimizing the fun out of the game right and like um, the uh, that's why he made Keyforge, Forge yeah. right you yeah. know and now Soulforge, Forge right yeah. like that's why he made yeah, those yeah. games of like well you know we're going we're gonna to enforce the variety at yeah. the deck level right yeah. so it's it's a really tricky subject but it, it for is. sure play humans bring variation to the game it's kind of like a question of like are you putting players in a position where they're kind of forced to do things the same way as everyone else and when you don't I don't know how the units necessarily get because I did I don't know how the units get chosen in multiplayer right but if you, choo- only, you choose them right you choose yeah. but you choose eight from like hundred now yeah well uh, whatever, right however now however many it is. we
0: now you choose 10 out of 40 right 10 out of 40
1: yeah. right like like that's those are already pretty significant decisions. Yeah. And also beyond that, I think that there's probably, I think there's more weight in the actual gameplay itself of Moonbreaker. Yes. As opposed to the, the gameplay and magic.
0: This right? is something that I didn't realize before. Right. There's more, there's more meat there. Right. And
1: so that it's okay. Yeah. E- even if people bring the same, like yeah. in chess, obviously you're bringing the exact same units. Yeah. It's not necessarily horrible if people are bringing in the yes. same type of units. It's something to pay attention to. Yes. But it's not the end.
0: The piloting skill in a miniatures game is so much bigger than, or it's hard for me to say that. There's a lot of piloting skill in Magic as well, like, you know, because you you're don't you dealing with randomness and all this stuff. But there, there's so much more wiggle room. And like you said, like you could, you could be playing with the exact same list as someone else in a miniatures game. Well, I would say in Moonbreaker, most miniatures games I think is a little bit less so because virtually all other miniatures games deploy all their units at the game start. Right. Yeah. This is another giant difference that we have compared to every other game, every other managers game and we refuse to go try that But there's so many problems with that model that um anyways, how you actually play your units, I mean you're basically you're making deployment choices throughout the game yeah. constantly. And how you deploy units and how you move units affects how you can deploy and move units. Yeah. So it's like this like Right. Yeah, explosive problem, because wherever your captain goes, it changes where you can spawn units. You can spawn them around them, and the units you spawn changes the, changes the resources, so what units that you can... I mean, it doesn't change what you can spawn, but it does change uh, the cinder that you're generating, which uses their abilities and which... Yeah, whatever. Um, all that to say that I, you're right, and it took us a long time to realize that we don't actually need the variants that Keyforge forces upon you because you can you basically have wiggle room as you play yeah tons and tons of wiggle room yeah cool so yeah i'm i still don't know whether we should have more variants in the game or not but i guess i if all those if all those other games can do it you know if chess can be successful after all this time and starcraft and all these other things we're probably going to be fine we don't need to like inject more yeah yeah and save it for single player, which is exactly what we're doing with the assists. And actually, can I talk about the assists for a second? Sure. We have these really big powers like disruption beam. Psh- you move units, like just like aim at a circle from the sky. Mm. Like, you know, no one turn telegraph, just click here. Psh- yeah. And it's a hidden ability. So it's, it, it's hidden until you use it. Once you use it, then you know what you're up against. But, so there's a little bit of surprise there. And Um, basically players just like kept complaining about that. Like our, you know, our our most hardcore players. And at first I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hardcore players are always going to complain about randomness. I just, I, you're always going to optimize the game to get to more and more skill. But, um, basically the only way we're ever going to make everyone happy is to basically just keep reducing the power on those. And we kept like, now we make them visible. Now we make them cost resources. Now we make them less powerful. Okay, now we make sure everyone can always choose all of them every game. It's like we just kept going and it's like, at some point, it's just yeah. like they need to be removed, don't they? Yeah, right. And as soon as we remove them, again, it's, you, there should be a rule, right? Yeah, right? If you iterate too much on something, <laughs> you go back and forth, you're right, not right. making any progress, just how about someone, delete about someone, someone comes in and like forces you to take them out of the game. Just right. remove them, yeah. I'll just disable them for a moment and then forget yeah. about them. Yeah. This one, this one I did on purpose, we disabled them and I realized it was because someone made a comment Which was, if you took a really powerful ship assist, like we had one called Orbital Strike, Mm -hmm. and it just literally just rains death down in a circle, like just power, just direct damage to an area. Super fun for you to use it, less fun for (laughs) someone to use it against you, can be very annoying. But um, if we put Orbital Strike on a unit, Mm -hmm. and that unit can use that every single turn, that works. Right. Because you have to spawn the unit in first, they have summoning sickness. You now your opponent has a turn. They to know they're there. It. Yeah. Now it's your turn. Now you have to position them, and it's you know, yep. it's not anywhere on the map, it's near that unit. That works. Now we can have super strong ship assists. Yeah. I mean it's quote unquote less exciting, except I again reframe it, I'm like, is that actually less exciting, or is it actually more exciting that now you can orbital every single turn?
1: Yeah.
0: That's actually more exciting. Yeah. So, anyways, we're we're learning. Yeah. We're just making very public mistakes. That,
2: that's and why early access is one of my favorite features. <sighs> how,
0: how does anyone, how does anyone make a new game without early access? I honestly have no that's, idea.
2: That's how Soren and I say, like, that's it. That's the path yeah. that for us. Since the first game we launched, Offworld yeah. Trading Company was on early access. Yeah. You had oh, to do that,
0: right? Yeah. For a game like that? Yeah.
1: I new mean, territory. So yeah, I don't know how you make good games without doing that. If you know.
0: You can, <laughs> the thing is you can actually make good games, but they can't be new games. Right? Sure, right. Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah, of course. That's yep. what's so weird. You yep. can make great games, but they're just like you've seen that game before. Yeah, because someone else has made these mistakes for you. Yeah. Yep, yep. You're like, we're going to do this and we're just going to do more of it. We're yep. just going to like, you know.
2: Most of, most of my favorite games were also in early access, like Slay the Spire. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Yep. True.
1: It's like...
0: True. Yeah, absolutely. Cool.
2: So, Charlie, now that you have this game, what's
0: yeah. next? Oh my gosh! There's no next. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have so much more work to do on Moonbreaker.
2: So that's that's next.
0: Yeah, that's next. Yeah, that's- um, yeah. It's very strange for us to have a game as popular as Subnautica, and then to come out with a game as unpopular as Moonbreaker. So, but we're like, we can see it now, right? We can see what's working, what's not. And so, you know, I just wish we had, I wish we had like tempered our expectations a little bit more because we were sure. really expecting it to just be amazing out of the gate. So we're going to, we've got, you know, we're adding single player to it. We're fixing all these ship assists, all this economy stuff we talked about. We're like fleshing out the captains, have a lot more content. So I think that's, I'm really excited about that. Um, It has been emotionally a bit difficult because, you know, like past few months, it's like, are we ever going to make any progress? Like, is this like, is there a reason people have not done, not made a digital miniatures game? Yeah. Um, But, you know. Someone could have said, is there a reason no one made an underwater survival game without guns right, or sure. combat? Like, um, I don't know. We just kind of forged on anyways and did it yeah. and it eventually worked. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen with Moonbreaker. Um,
2: what's the time frame? Like how much time do you think that's going to take? I have
0: no idea. I mean, Subnautica took, it took about four or five months before we started to see the game start to grow. So we're kind of at that period now. We're starting to see some growth. But um, I think what we're really missing right now—that's killing us—is single player. So um, I have some like, like pretty exciting, or I should say, we have some exciting plans about single player. They're, that's actually really crazy what we're doing. I'm really excited about it. And I think most people are—if they buy a stri- strategy game—they're not thinking that they can't play single player. Like you know this, right? Right. Sure. So. I think that's a huge miss. I mean, it's not even a miss. Like, we always knew we wanted it. Yeah. We've been working on it for a long time. Yeah. We just didn't have it finished.
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot you can do with it because, because no one, also, no one has made a single player miniatures game, right? And so. Oh my I mean, gosh. Was, there's that's a good true. opportunity there, too. And which is, like, it seems Wait, like it's a different, separate problem, right? But no
0: the, one has made a single player miniatures game. That's true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, It's going
2: to be the teaser
0: of the <laughs> world's yeah. first single player miniatures game in a yeah. few more months. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's really weird. Yeah. Because this is like an architect. Like even even gamers
1: who don't play miniatures, they know what miniatures are. They've seen it, they know they're popular. So, yeah. so like you have so much
2: freedom in that.
0: Crazy. True.
2: You can just do we're whatever doing, you want.
0: we are doing such crazy stuff. It's like a totally new model for single player. I can I can't wait to try it. Don't launch it to
2: family and friends first. No, we're going to launch it in early access <laughs> and then
0: iterate on it like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just Moonbreaker, 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 you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're working on another Subnautica as well, but I'm sure. not really working on that. I'm like, I might like give feedback and kind of say, Hey, maybe you guys might want to think about doing this, but they're like off on their own yeah. going crazy with this. So. Well, I can Um, tell your mind is still right in the middle of it. So oh, it is. It is. I'm obsessed.
1: That's good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. You know, like enjoy the process. It's it's (laughs) it's it obviously would be more enjoyable if everyone was just like this game's amazing from the very beginning. I wish, but this is this is the life of a game designer.
0: So that's the thing you have. You always hear about people who you know, like I don't know, like someone who's had a huge success who then really has they struggle with the next game, right? The sophomore syndrome, and you know. I guess I always just assumed that every game would be bigger than the last, you know. I never really thought about it, but I don't know. That was kind of the trend: It's Natural Section One, the mod; Natural Section Two, the game; Subnautica, and then Moonbreaker. We're like we went up, and now we're going down. <laughs> or I, maybe we're not. Maybe it'll just just like is a
1: huge game. I mean, it seems yeah. like I know you've already kind of have an understanding of this, but like, yeah, you shouldn't expect to have another Subnautica period ever. Because I guess that's true. most most designers will never have that. I guess that's of, true. Right? That's just so you know, is awesome. And now yeah. you can make a lot of other cool games. Yeah. But like, like when, when Sid finished Civ, remember he made CPU Bach, which is not really even a game. True. Like there was zero chance. True. Not like 1% chance. There True. was zero chance that it was going to compare it to Civilization, right? Yeah. And you can tell he did that intentionally because he's like, yeah. how am I supposed to follow, follow that up? up? Right. And so, yeah, I think when, when, when designers have a big success, like they, they need to... Remember that and that, you know, life life will continue. It's awesome you had it, but but don't 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 try to follow some trajectory because yeah, you'll go crazy. But you
0: should be able to learn more from each game. And these are like long games, years of essentially R and D yep. and down in the trenches, making stuff, learning <laughs> stuff. It should be like we should be getting better, not not just here, but like
2: It's like you should become a better, better musician,
0: you know? We would
2: have landed on other planets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If if what again? If
2: we were to follow that logic, we would have landed on other planets.
0: You mean because the space race should (laughs) have just continued? (laughs) (laughs) We could have like... You know, dug yeah. deeper
2: into science and you know expansion, but that's
0: not yeah. how we
1: do things. Yeah, games are hard. We're still figuring this stuff out. And yeah. movies and books. Yeah. How can you guarantee that well, everything? J- James Cameron
0: be- just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't Ooh. he? James Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> what's his
2: name? Making you feel better. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Does, has he ever gone? Damn it! And he's my role model. That's my implicit <laughs> idea here. No, um, he also took like what. Ten years, 12, twelve, ten, yeah. twelve years to you know that's not do Avatar that, too. That's that's an issue too. So <laughs> so he's got like three movies coming out of it. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess I I like I that makes sense in theory, but or like to to have that mindset. But I I don't know. I guess I just don't. No. Yeah. I just well, want to get better and games better
2: too. Because you're creating something for others to have input in, so you yeah. can never predict that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. This. That yeah. That's true. When some things are just going to hit at the right time, right? Like, I mean, Subnautica was at a time where survival was hot, right. right? And it was like a breath of fresh air, yeah. So, uh, it's not like miniatures games are hot right now. I mean, I don't know, they're actually probably hotter than they've ever been, yeah. honestly, because of the pandemic. Yeah. So, who knows? But if you, but the thing is, I think the bigger message is that you just can't. You're, one does not engage in one's craft for the appeal of others, right? right? Or for the, you know, approval or sales. Like, that's not why... You can't do that because it's it's like conditional love or something.
1: Right.
0: Like, that's horrible. Yeah. You're not doing it for the money. You're not doing it... I mean, some people are going to do it for the money, but why not just do it for the craft and the enjoyment of the actual thing? Because right. that's what you spend all your time on anyways. Yeah. So Think of all
2: the games that got... Way more popular after being released, like among us. Right?
0: Oh, t- among us is that crazy right, sure. example, yeah. right? Yeah. It took it took years for that game to strike. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Rocket League is the other big example, but of course they made some some significant tweaks there.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it's similar. You know. Yeah, I guess sure. so.
0: It's um, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I guess I just have to think about those two, and then but also <laughs> just like get back to work. You're going to
2: be the first game of miniature on. Single-player see that's so important. That's
0: important. Well, I mean, I hope more than 10,000 people or whatever. I don't know some <laughs> tiny number play
1: Yeah, but but you, you really just need to figure out though Your job is to figure out how best to translate what makes miniature special exactly to, to, to digital. To digital. That's, that's it, right? Yeah, a lot a lot of the the stuff is out of your hands, right? Yeah, but, like but style it seems like of what, what's in vogue, right? right? But it seems like you're starting to get a sense of like how, yes. you know, some of the things that you, now you understand what the kind of pillars need to be, right? Yeah. And
0: that, that's the right process. The crazy thing is it's it's like a 10% difference. Like mm-hmm. almost nothing changed. Almost nothing is changing. We're just like some very subtle, right? like the amount of work involved in making these changes is so small. It's weird. Like it's 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 amazing how a single rule, like reinforcing a unit randomly out of your hand, out mm-hmm. of your deck, into your hand... That's like a tiny thing. We we implement implement that in a day, right? That completely changes the emotional experience of the game. So fundamentally. like this RNG stuff, these are tiny, i removed RNG, it's a single number. Sure. One number goes from 10 to zero. Like, it's like completely changes everything. It's so weird. I don't know. uh, It reminds me of how fragile... Well, I think it's how fragile strategy games are. Survival games are not this fragile. Yeah everyone could just throw their own stuff in there. Oh, we're going to mix this up here. I've got this idea for this cool tool. Cool. Throw it in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's I know easy. I've, I've, it's also easy. I've seen some, I've, people have argued to me about, you know, like the update, you know, the update model. And they often would bring up some Nautica of like, right. look how they did their, you know, they did these big updates.
0: And they kept yep. throwing new Headliners. stuff in the game. Yep. And they're
1: like, I can't just keep throwing new stuff into my strategy game. Um, <laughs> Because like, it affects uh, everything else. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Miniatures are a little different because you can add new miniatures. That's, right? that's, like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that. That's that's yeah. that's a great a great plan. And we can
0: add new stuff in the maps. Yeah. So that can only be in certain maps, but, but we're still iterating on the core rules, yeah. right? What What
2: do the DLCs look like for miniature? Like, do you add like nations? Do you do like bestiaries? we have
0: we we have new uh, we call them cultures, but they're essentially factions. So we have like six new ones coming that are right. like totally different. And so it's basically content. Okay. Yep. But their rules are like, they're so different that we hope that they scratch a different itch. Yep. Cause
2: like I totally thought of that, you know, like the bestiaries yep. and things like, Oh, mm-hmm. that'd be great You have like this whole class of genies and right. those monsters who do all sorts of things. And
0: yep. yeah, that's basically what we're doing. Here's a giant creature update. You know, here's these, here's a new race of people that come from this different moon. They're totally different.
2: Yeah. Do you know about the beast two Like the, witch, the creatures, witch, witch creatures of, the, of the past that have like stories attached to them, like ghouls where they come from. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And, like they have like specific set of powers and stuff like
0: that. So I mean, I guess magic does that all the time, right? They're like, here's our vampire update. Right. Or hit yep. vampire set. Yeah. Yep.
2: That's cool. I have to play magic, I guess. Just oh, you do. absolutely do.
0: <laughs> we, have, we all have to play more magic. Yep. Oh. oh my God. Cool. Well, thank you so all much. Right. It's super fun. Yeah, this was this was really good discussion. That's so great. That we got that a chance to follow up. Yeah, it's so fun. And I wanted to just bring it back to that. Yeah, like I don't want to just be all roses, right? Like, yeah. No, it's, it's last podcast was roses. This one's not roses. <laughs> it's, that's important for people to know. It's not it's not all ups and downs. That's it's not true. all ups, right? There be downs. We're it's gonna have this. Yeah. Yeah. This right here. <laughs> this is good. Right here. Go for it. <laughs> I go for it. I, I'm in. Cool. And I hope next year. Be like, <laughs> and
1: that was before you became three. this mega <laughs> <a> hit. hit. <laughs> now,
0: only up. It's, it's only up. See, James,
2: I'm working on this game with James Cameron. I know, them.
0: see, <laughs> exactly. I'm hiring him to make a movie for my game. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs>